0: Welcome to Star Wars Action News, coming to you from Celebration Europe 2 in Essen, Germany. Hosted by Marjorie and Arnie. Be sure to go to SWActionNews.com, where you can see photos from the con and chat in our forums with other listeners.
1: And that is the sound of champagne glasses toasting our 400th episode in Essen, Germany. Cheers!
2: Hello and welcome to the 400th episode of Star Wars Action News. Eight years in podcasting and we are coming to you from Essen, Germany. And we are joined by a number of long time and shorter time friends of the show. Of course, Steve, who was our first Celebration Europe reporter.
3: Yes, I reported on Celebration Europe back in 2007 uh, in London. So, guten Abend, meine Kinder. This is the Ginger Prince.
2: Then our Republic Forces Radio Network host, as well as Vintage Viewpoint collector and all-around good guy, Jerry. Hey, everybody. It's Jerry here. Hey, I'm so happy I got a chance to come
4: to Germany for this. Happened to be on business this week in Europe. Had a chance to come up here. Great opportunity. Happy to be here, guys. And then we have Creature Daryl, Podcast
2: Enhancer.
5: Hello, all. Good to be here with you and from Essen. Uh, glad to be part of the show and hope to have a good time here this weekend.
2: And longtime friend and often voicemail leaver, Phil.
6: Yeah, it's uh, Phil Corgan here. Uh, Wanna be trooper on the forums again. Just glad to be here. Glad to be around the crew and friends. And hopefully it's going to be a great weekend.
2: So, guys, we are here. Germany, first time international for celebration for us marjorie and i steve you live international
3: yeah well don't forget i've done two jedi cons in germany before so it's not too much out of the ordinary for me but it is sort of first americanized convention that i've been to outside of america
2: yeah i'm very interested to hear your viewpoints on how this compares to jedi con how this compares to celebration one none of us here were at celebration japan correct
3: That's correct, yeah. JediCon was a smaller convention, definitely. It was all situated inside one hotel, whereas this is situated inside a proper convention centre, a couple of different buildings. So it's definitely bigger. It's not got the feel of the first celebration Europe. It's definitely smaller than that. It's definitely smaller than the two American celebrations I've been to, five and six. It seems to be quite crowded, but I think that's just a lot of people in a smaller space, to be honest. So, yeah, it's difficult to compare not having been to Celebration Japan, but I suspect it might be a little bit bigger than that, but definitely smaller than all the other celebrations.
2: And to clarify, we're recording this on Friday night. It's only been day one of the convention. And yeah, it was crowded when the doors opened this morning at 10. I expect tomorrow is going to be far more crowded. I think tomorrow being Saturday is going to really stress the level of what the floor can handle because it's the exhibit floor that was really the crowded area. And this convention center, it is a smaller convention center than the ones we've had this at in the States by quite a bit. But its layout is also very different than any con I've gone to. Like, if you want to go to the collection stage, you're going up three flights of stairs to the left down a hallway. It feels very separated. And while they've done what they did at Celebrations 5 and 6, which were the last ones run by Reed, where they have the big exhibit floor, because of the way this convention center is, the big exhibit floor is also segmented. I couldn't find the fan tables. I couldn't find a whole lot of the areas except by accident. We were looking for the mythical shipping center that they advertised online. And it was almost like finding Narnia. We were in the back of a closet, and the next thing we knew, there was a whole other area of the floor.
1: They lied about the shipping center. Jerry backed me up on that, and Steve backed me up on that, because it said, you can ship your packages, blah, blah, blah. I go, and I talk to some guy on the phone, because the people at the desk had no idea. And they said, we can call someone for you. So they call a company called TNT, first of all. They're dynamite. Yes. Well, they won't ship because I don't have an account, nor the person I'm shipping to, which would be myself also, does not have an account. And so he's like, well, there's nothing really I can do for you.
2: So you're saying you don't have an account at the reception or the destination?
1: correct but you guys saw it right
2: i saw on the celebration website them saying it's very easy to ship your items right from the con and when we asked at the information desk they sent us they're like go back through the narnia wardrobe into the exhibitor area which they wouldn't even let us into because we're working the collection area then we go into an office where there's just two clerks We ask about shipping, they ring somebody on a phone, and we're like, this is not right. We want a box. We'd like some packing tape and peanuts. I don't think this is going to end well, and sure enough, it didn't. So, good thing we have shopped light, because that was the first thing we did when we got in was the Celebration Store. Now... We actually got in on Wednesday, and for members of the media covering this and members who work the con, you could shop on that Thursday night. And that was quite an experience, but what shocked me is the amount of how this felt like a Celebration 6 redo. Like, I know, Jerry, I was shopping for you at Celebration 6, and you're like, I need those magnets! I need those vintage magnets! And... Here they were. <laughs> yeah, I mean, near the end of the day, I
4: walk over to the store, first time I went there, and they had a ton of the magnets. And that thought went through my head. I was like, well, I guess if I had missed out on the Orlando, I'd been okay.
3: Yeah, th- there's a hell of a lot of recycled stuff going on. There's the Funko Boba bobblehead that's just got the San Diego Comic-Con sticker slapped on there. It's not a con exclusive at all. There's the, the magnets, like you said. There's the I Love You, I Know t-shirts, the Death Star lanterns. There's just lots of stuff that's recycled it. It's quite lazy. There's, there's some new football gear, sort of new football branded gear. And there's a couple of really nice standout items. I, I really like the Ewoks women's tee that we picked up for Suzanne. And I think Jerry's got his eye on the droids t-shirt, maybe. Oh,
4: it's in my bag already, yes. It has been
3: purchased. I really like the Tonton as well, the plush Tonton. That wasn't available on the Thursday preview night. Obviously, I hadn't arrived in time, but luckily it was there today. And it's just a great little item. It's got the same talking feature like the Bar did at C6. And it's also got this cute little sort of belly slit that you can open and Velcro closed again. Perhaps pop a little action figure in there or something like that.
2: Yeah, those weren't there. We found out that the Reed staff were panicking a little bit because they didn't arrive. They weren't sure if they'd get them for the con in the end. There have been a number of people who have shipped stuff here, and the boxes just didn't make it, we know, from talking to various vendors. So the Tauntauns weren't there on Thursday. So when they were putting out the spread on Friday, they were putting out Big Table, I saw a Tauntaun, and I'm like, do you have those now? And no sign of the Vaderhosen T-shirts
5: either that I could tell. I know also they're still mentioning one of the patches as well. I believe it's the maybe the Celebration Europe standard patch itself. That's right.
1: Yeah, you're right. I didn't see that at all. I did pick up the Galactic Empire soccer patch, football patch, I'm sorry, excuse me, and then Rebel Alliance football patch.
2: Yeah, it was kind of interesting. Steve, you said you had a good time buying that Tauntaun though yeah yeah when we sort of got to the counter, the young lady
3: who was taking my money it took it all a bit too far. She sort of took the tonton, pressed the the talky button on it, and it made the tonton sound, and she then held it to her ear and, and she was pretending that the ton ton was talking to her, and she was feeding back to me the, all these imaginary lines that the tonton was saying i didn't honestly didn 't know where to put myself. It was uh, quite an awkward situation as soon as I got my change, I sort of ran out of the store and uh, open Jerry would follow me. <laughs>
4: Yeah, uh, Steve was clearly weirded out, and for some reason I just knew we had to make a quick
2: exit. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like one of those people who talks to her cat.
4: I honestly didn't know
3: whether I was being hit on, or I should have called for social services, or... (laughs) I, I was in a bit of a quandary, and like Jerry said, I was a bit weirded out, yeah. I'll tell you what item I did like, though. Um, and, again, it's a bit of a recycled item. I picked up... Katie Cook did uh, alphabet art at C6, and I picked up the stickers of that. Um, but this time they've done a throw, like a woven throw, and it's got a Celebration Europe bit knitted into it. So I picked that up. That was about €35, Euros, something like that. But it's going to look really good over the back of the sofa. Or denim couch, if you're barren. <laughs>
2: You said it's a little bit lazy to have this recycled merchandise. I'm of two minds because I got to think that, Steve, you and we and Jerry and Daryl were in the minority. The people who would go to Celebration in the States and then would fly halfway around the world to go to Celebration here. And so people who didn't get the chance to buy this stuff in the store, this is a chance for International to do it. This kind of feels like a Celebration 6 redo to me. So much here feels like what they did at Celebration 6. there There's got the big ad ad here. They've got the big job here. They've got some of the same exclusives. I saw Duncan in the shop, and you know, I like to tease Duncan because he buys everything and I saw him carrying the Ewoks I'm like Duncan you have those Ewoks I was glad I thought I'd have to buy four more Walklings. I said you have them he goes well I kind of do because I verified with Travis at the store same exact Ewoks except these have a tag on them that say Celebration Europe and the last one's tag said Celebration 6 so depending how close you look it's all the certain point of view. Yeah, it's a fair point, really. I
3: suppose that there's a whole other crowd that didn't get the chance at C6 who are getting the chance now. So perhaps I'm being a bit narrow in my viewpoint there. Perhaps I have to think of all the big German fan base really seeing this for the first time. And I think they have aimed it at the Germans. I mean, mean, with the Vaderhosen and the soccer Germans are crazy about their football. So that actual soccer ball that's the Death Star, that's selling like hot cakes, that really is. And I think they've marketed it quite well at the German fan base.
2: The son of a Brazilian Portuguese, I had to have that soccer ball. That was perhaps my must-have, but I was not going to buy it inflated because even I have my limits on shipping and packing. So the very first question, does that come deflated? (laughs) Yes, it does. All right, add that to my bag. But also the fact that it is a lot of the same merchandise did save me a lot of money. I thought I was buying that pop vinyl. And then I found it at Comic-Con. I'm like, is there a mild difference? Is there going to be, like, a metallic variant like Funko likes to do? San Diego Comic-Con sticker on the front. Save me 20 euros. Go over to the Walklings. Oh, those are the same Walklings. Save me 60 euros.
1: But I did finally convince you to buy the I Love You, I Know shirts, which we're wearing tomorrow on Saturday.
2: I know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Steve,
4: that that soccer ball is really cool. I mean, I've I've kind of failed as a parent in the sense that my uh, eight-year-old daughter doesn't know what a Death Star is, oh. but she's a fantastic soccer player, and uh, she's gonna get that soccer ball now. She wants to play with it. I already told her. I showed it to her. Before I left, and she's like, "Well, what is? Yeah, I'd love to play with that." I'm like, "Eh." Not sure how I feel about her playing with a Celebration exclusive, but if it builds awareness around the Death Star for an 8-year-old girl. Then
2: that's why you buy two.
4: I think that's worth it. Well, I don't know. It's, you know <laughs>
2: back to the shipping thing. Yeah, I'm going to take two soccer balls home, that's for sure. We got that. We bought a couple of the magnets. I like the magnets. They were small. I bought the pin set that had the various family crests on it. Bought a few T-shirts. You got the Ewok shirt as well because it was a ladies' cut shirt.
1: I did break down and buy a Her Universe shirt. I've been kind of shying away from them because they haven't really been my style. They kind of focus on Ahsoka for obvious reasons. And
2: you keep telling me, hey, this one has holes in it. I've washed it twice, and now all of a sudden it's literally coming apart.
1: Yeah, to be honest, the quality of the shirts that they've been getting have not been good. They're very thin. He got me that red Japanese one for Christmas, and I went to wear it here. I put it on. It has holes in it, like wear holes, and I've only worn it, well, I guess a couple times, but I expect a shirt to last longer than eight months. You know, I don't think that's crazy to ask, but I did break down and buy the Darth Vader iron-on transfer that has the glitter because it's similar to the Ewok one I had when I was a little girl. I had the Wicked one that was pink and glittery. I bought this. It's got pink ringer on it. It's very cute.
2: But really, it was a cheap store trip. I mean, what we primarily bought were wearables, shirts.
1: And all things we could have bought in America?
2: Not really. I mean, you, these shirts were exclusives.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, but we could have bought them at prior celebrations.
2: The Ewoks and Droid shirt weren't there, this pink glittery Vader weren't there.
3: Talking about things you could have bought in America, I mean, I dropped possibly more money on Black Series, Boba Fett, and Han at the Hasbro booth than I did at the Celebration store. And uh, again, luckily on preview night, we were able to go and pick up more than just the one. And it's nice to be able to get one for yourself and also help a few people out on the, the forums, a few people out from the sort of Swan family who we know need one.
2: Yeah, this has been kind of an interesting story because this was 49 that included tax and everything at... San Diego Comic-Con. So when I found out it was going to be 55 euros, and that's about 70 bucks, give or take U.S., that's a $20 surcharge. And I know I was talking to a few people who asked me to get one for them, and I texted them. I'm like, just so you know, it's not 50. It's going to be like 70 plus. And I wasn't sure if the VAT, which is the tax that you have to pay here, was included in that 55. It is. I think that's why it's 55, is because you have to pay 23% in this VAT tax, but at 70-some dollars, I know a lot of people who just backed out and said, no, nah, I'm not going to pay that, I'll just not get that. The Boba Fett is coming out again for 20 bucks. It's just going without the Han, and I think a lot of people have made that choice.
6: Yeah, I'm planning to pick up the uh, Boba Fett and Han and Carbonite tomorrow, um, and I was asking the Hasbro people what's the score on how many you've actually got left, and they were basically saying we've got tons left, absolutely loads. As I was talking to the lady, uh, there was someone coming in with uh, a small pallet load of them, putting them behind the store, you know, like I'm thinking, well, you're going to have plenty left. The price, I'm on holiday vacation, so I'll probably drop that anyway, you know.
2: The only thing I've heard, and take this with a big grain of salt, this is a rumour, but I've heard it from a semi-trustworthy source, is that at Comic-Con, they only have 3,000 to sell, and here, they only have 2,000 to sell. So they have loads, and those pallets are big. But Keep in mind, this is a big box. I saw a pallet coming out, and it probably had eight boxes on it, but each of those eight boxes maybe had eight to ten Boba Fetts in it in that giant box.
5: Yeah, I'm on the other side of Phil. I decided not to buy it because of the price increase with the VAT and everything. So I'm holding off. Included with that is the shipping back to the states for me. So I'm just going to wait and get a Boba Fett packaged on the store shelves. I still think that they're going
6: to have loads left. To be honest, by the Sunday, they're saying all oh, we'll will sell out and all that. But the majority of people that especially know about this figure, they'll have got it today. I saw them in line, queuing up straight away. The people that really do want it, they've got it. So we'll just have to wait and see, see what happens on eBay as well.
4: (laughs) Yeah, you know, I got to admit, last night I was adamant about not getting this Boba Fett. I was like, Arnie, come on. You know, there's even a rumor that the Han and Carbonite in a Boba Fett's going to somehow make its way to general retail. But like you said, for sure we know we're getting a Boba Fett. Today I got in the line about 11 o'clock. For 15 minutes I didn't move a centimeter, okay, didn't move at all, and then all of a sudden, just this big bum rush to the counter, and then two minutes later, I had a Boba Fett. I was getting that for, for Jonathan, so, and uh, it did go through my head. About four hours later, I went and bought myself one. So, last night was like uh, seventy, seventy-five dollars. That there's no reason to do that, but I, I caved. I figure worst-case scenario, if I if I had the buyer's remorse, someone will give me my money back forward and be happy to take take it off my hands.
2: Now, what's interesting is I did get one for a friend to whom I owed a big favor because he helped me out and got me all of the first day of issue figures that were only available at this one event in London. Emailed him. I'm like, all right, it's going to be 75 off what I owe you, not 50 off what I owe you. And he was cool with that. So I did pick that up. But the limits kept changing. When the night opened on Thursday, when it was just exhibitors there, the booth started, and I wasn't there, but what I was told is there were no limits. You could buy as many as you wanted. You go up and say, give me a case, they'd swipe your card. Actually, they wouldn't take your card. They needed cash. But you you hand them a big sweaty wad of cash, which is hard to get if you have an American credit card because RFID chips, Google it, it's a pain in the ass.
1: And this is a very small town. Essen is industrial, it's not a tourist town, so they're not used to so many visitors.
2: It's worth
3: that that money. Plunk that money down is my advice, because after opening it, it is a thing of beauty. I'm, I was reluctant about the Black Series. You know what I'm like, three and three-quarter inch figure. Uh, you know, every in-film figure is what I want. I, I was very skeptical about the Black Series, the six-inch. I don't want to go down that path, but... As a convention exclusive, or by convention exclusive, this is a thing of beauty, and it is awesome.
2: Money well spent is my advice. I gotta say, Jerry, what you were telling me when you were on the other side of the fence, it's $75 for one figure with an oversized accessory. And that's kind of what we said in our review, is that Han is not a figure. So, I agree. I love the set. I love the Boba Fett more than I love the Han. So, for completists, yes, well worth it. For people who really want to jump right in, well worth it. If I didn't have one, I would have bought it without no question and been thinking how much money I saved because it's more than that on eBay. That said, for people who aren't sure, if you're here, yeah, it's worth buying. You've already bought it or you haven't by the time you heard the show. If you're not on the eBay pricing, you might want to wait and see what happens and maybe just see if you can pick yourself up a Han loose down the road sometime from somebody who just decided to keep the Boba Fett or something. But what I'm worried about is these limits because it was no limit. Then when we went up and tried to buy, but we couldn't because we had no cash, it was limit two. Jerry, when you went, it was limit one.
4: Yeah, I originally asked if I could have two and they told me one and then I went back later and of course there was a different person selling there and they didn't recognize me. So I don't know if that was like just so that you would have to at least get in line to get another one, at least that way the the flow, people aren't buying eight at a time, everybody has a chance, but yeah, my, my
2: initial purchase, I could only buy the one. And at Comic-Con, they'd stamp your badge, and it was one for the convention. It wasn't one per day. It was one for the entire con. So people who bought multiples, they had to have multiple one-day passes or something because Marjorie had a four-day pass, went back, tried to get one for that friend, and wasn't able to get one. But it does depend who you talk to because you went back and were able to buy them. These here, these badges we have here, they're nice, hard plastic. You can't stamp them. You can't punch them. I mean, nobody's able to do anything. But depending who you talk to... Who was it? Was it somebody in this group who went again today and asked what the limit was? And they're like, how many do you want? Uh, It wasn't somebody here. It must have been somebody I was, ah. (laughs) Introduce yourself and tell the story.
6: Uh, Hello, I'm Scott from Pittsburgh. Scott EW on Twitter. And I was actually, the first stop I made this morning was at Hasbro. And the guy, I asked for his which is two. The guy said, no, no, can't do that, can't do that. And I actually sort of gave him the puppy dog eyes and said, Pita. and I got two. So I'm very happy with that. One for me, one for a friend.
2: Yeah, well, somebody I talked to today went up and they were like, how many do you want? And the person bought four. And they could have gotten 10. They could have gotten 20. They just, they wanted four, or had the money for four. So not quite sure how that's going to work in regards to sellouts. I figured with this kind of lax rules, it would be sold out by the end of day one. I'm pretty sure Saturday this feels like a sellout, especially with the rumors I'm hearing that seem pretty solid on the numbering. And it sold out, it went on Hasbro Toy Shop after Comic-Con the Wednesday after, six minutes. Sold out in six minutes.
1: Okay, but I don't know, and I was thinking about those numbers. At Comic-Con, I've seen how many people that Hasbro can funnel through. And I would bet that they had way more than 3,000 because, I mean, they're pretty efficient in their dealings. And I can't imagine they went all through preview night, all through Thursday. And they didn't sell out until, what, Saturday morning at 11 a.m.? So you had two full days of them whipping people through. And you and I know both how quickly that line moves. That's all day selling.
2: The only thing I can think, though, is it did sell out every day. And so they did daily allotments. On preview night, I got to think that maybe they got 500 people through that line. Because we've been in that line. We've been the 200th person and didn't make it. They closed us down before we could get there at 200.
1: That's because they have poor line control. And what they do is, say Jerry's in line, he gets up to the register, and he all of a sudden calls four of his friends. Because
2: Jerry's a (laughs) like that.
1: (laughs) He calls four of his friends from the sidelines to run up and buy with him. And so you have five people checking out for every one person.
2: I said I was sorry. (laughs) That's what you get. That's why four people butted in front of you at the Hasbro line today. Yeah, that that wasn't a great
4: experience. Um, It it was fine because, I mean, they had plenty to give out. But, like, inevitably today, whenever I was queuing, I was the person to where... People trying to just cross through would always cut in front of me to cross through, you know, to go from one side of the line to the other. I was just always that person. Maybe I got that face. But anyway, like I said, for 15 minutes, didn't move an inch. And then the moment it moved, it moved. And literally, there was a group of four people behind me who kind of shoved, pushed, and got in front of me and went right to the register. And, you know, I don't like that. I don't like rude people. Who does, really? And I just said, hey, go ahead, guys. Go get them. And I mean that's what I said out loud to him and then they turn around, act at all apologetic. oh no no, okay, just you know, go ahead go. You know what you did. You know I'll stay no,
2: get get your stupid toy out of my face. Yeah, so they let one other person in front of them, so they cut in line one person back.
1: Yeah, I'm totally stealing that move, by the way, because I'm short and I'm a girl, so people often do that to me. So I'm gonna totally be a next time because you were being a and it's awesome and i think it's great
2: so any other shopping going on i know that we've wandered the entire floor and it's a kind of a smaller exhibit floor oh all the hands went up at once phil
6: yeah this celebration i have been looking at uh, getting some more like vintage items but the actual true vintage items not the vintage line you know so i'm talking the 70s 80s and uh first day of the corner dropped close to 200 euros on a Return of the Jedi Stormtrooper uh, AFA grade, graded 85 so I'm mainly looking for stuff like that this weekend the first oh, sorry second stall I went to and asked about if you've got any AFA graded stuff 12 bucks. the guy was like yeah yeah I've got some stuff and he brought some stuff out with his suitcase and I thought well you're not going to sell them in there surely put them on your stall you know and he had like Han uh, Darth Vader Tusken Raider and I was like right how much do you want for these and he was like oh three grand for that one four for this fifteen hundred for that one And I'm like, well, you're not going to sell them like that. And you're definitely not going to sell them sitting in your suitcase. But definitely over the weekend, it's going to be some more AFA-graded stuff.
2: There was one booth, did you see it, that is just so full of vintage items. It was amazing. I saw stuff that I didn't even know existed, like Return of the Jedi two-packs.
3: That booth belongs to my good friend Darren from Starzone Toys in the UK. And he does have some quality vintage. I was looking at... um, An Akbar General Maideen two-pack, and it is a sweet, sweet item. But I think he wants one nine five euro for it, and because I know Darren and I bought from him before, I am hoping that come the last day of the con, I can wangle him down to around one fifty. Suzanne is sat well away from this conversation and doesn't know this, but I do have my eye on it, and I'm hoping to bring it home.
2: I looked at that and I'm also starting to feel the pull more and more of vintage as episode 7 comes closer and I look at the modern lines and things and the non-articulated figures and how gorgeous some of this vintage stuff is and I looked at that but my feeling was looking at the prices none of it was a steal so the stuff I was looking at none of it was an oh my god I can't believe he priced it so low like when I picked up that Act Commander for twenty dollars on an ESB card at Toyman. So if it's not a steal and the price is in euros, and I've already spent so much to get here, I don't feel the impulse to buy it today.
6: Yeah, I, I know what you mean. There's even the loose vintage figures. Um, you know, you're looking at like thirty-four euros per figure, and you, you try talking to the dealers, and they're not shifting on the prices. You know, um, you say, oh, can you drop five or whatever, or for buy two or three off you, and they are just not want the shift on the prices, whether they're just inexperienced or they're going to wait till the Sunday. I don't know.
2: Yeah, these toys have been around for 30 years, and I haven't owned them for 30 years. I don't need to drop the money today on them when I'm dropping so much on the trip and everything else. Yeah, I
4: mean, as much as I love vintage collecting, I mean, a a, a booth like that for me is kind of like a mini museum. Because, you know, I had never seen some of those shorter card, the Masano, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but, you know, the, what's that? Macano, okay. The, The French cards like that. I've never actually seen those in person. So to me, it's just like, oh, cool, look at that. Those are so neat. Never seen them. Check that off my bucket list, I guess, and move on. I was a little disappointed. I mean, I saw a lot of Palatoy figures. And I saw this really cool, um, the original Palatoid Landspeeder is very different than the U.S. one. It doesn't have an opening hood. Glad to see that. I didn't see anybody with a Palatoid Death Star, which I thought was kind of weird. I thought those would be hanging all over the place around here. But no, the, the vintage booths here are just, it's just really cool to look at and see them, see some of the international packaging that you, aren't. You like us, we're, we're not seeing those things every day in the States. So take your pictures and smile at them because they're really
5: cool. Another piece that I was kind of interested in because of the different packaging from the U.S. is the old vintage size noodles band. The Tri-Logo comes in a box here rather than a clear bubble package, so kind of looked at those, I saw one open that was €125 Euro and they had one that was still sealed for €195. Euro. We'll see what the final day of the con goes with that, but I did pick up a vintage Emperor. Not sure uh, what kind of card it was on. The guy told me Belgium, but I've asked some people here and they're not quite sure either, so it's one I'd never seen before, so I went ahead and picked it up. It was fairly cheap, fairly reasonable at €60, Euro. so I was pretty happy with that purchase.
6: Yeah, at the same time, from what I've just said about having uh, expensive, loose vintage figures, I just remember that I did pick up a 8D8, I believe that's the right one, um, as a present for my brother. And that was only like 5 euros. I thought, well, that's a steal. And I was flicking through the card backs, you know, the ones you find where they're just loose. And I was like, you know, how much do you want for these? Um, just a 1 euro each. And I actually managed to find the card back to match the figure as well. So 6 euros, not bad. Uh, again, that's obviously a Return of the Jedi card. So.
2: Yeah, I'll agree with what all of you have said. I've seen stuff here that I didn't know existed, both on the floor and also up in the collector's area. We had that booth that Marjorie had been putting out the call for. Got to see a Yusei figure, got to see a, I'm pretty sure it was authentic, double-telescoping Obi-Wan Kenobi. And it telescoped in front of me. figure was unfortunately trash. The guy had had it as a kid and kept all his toys in a basement. And his parents moved and gave him all these toys. The figure, I mean, it was oily and sticky and glossy. You know how the plastic breaks down? And the double-telescoping saber had, like, a fracture. So you don't want to double-telescope it too much because that thing's going to just snap. But I'm pretty sure it was authentic, especially given the condition of the figure. If you're going to fake one, you're not going to fake one on a figure that's kind of beat up. You're going to fake one on the best vintage you can find. There's
1: nothing you can do about the oily and sticky figures, though. It's just the degradation of petroleum products. And it's what's going to happen. This is kind of uncharted territory because Star Wars was new action figures. Star Wars set the precedent for action figures for what we have today with, like, Ben 10 and everything else. So this is a huge history experiment for us
2: true but I mean there are things you can do to make it last longer you can reduce humidity, reduce lighting reduce temperature and obviously this Obi-Wan had none of that
1: yeah, yeah but now we know that going forward but in the past my 8 year old self didn't know that I wasn't supposed to trash my falcon in the backyard
5: speaking of humidity I don't know but for some reason they do not appreciate air conditioning over here in Germany
1: hallelujah <laughs>
5: The biggest
2: exclusive of the con? Good air conditioning. The collecting room has it. Okay, I honestly
4: don't know what you guys are talking about. I, I guess maybe I've been here on work and I've been in places that have zero AC. I thought the convention was fine. Now, was it the lap of luxury? Absolutely
2: not. My room feels great. This was very tolerable, though. I think you guys just need to get over it. It wasn't Orlando August bad. It was not Disney night of Celebration 5 bad. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah,
6: I found it strange when we first went in the uh, convention centre, that it was just like, you know, really hot, humid, all that sort of thing, no AC, and then by the afternoon, I don't know if it was the amount of people that just disappeared, it seemed to get a lot cooler, but definitely in, in the collection room, that pretty much what you were saying, it's, it was fine in there, but as
3: soon as you walk out, it's like, bang, it hits you. Very early doors, I went down to the artist alley, and unfortunately they'd sort
2: of packed them all in like bloody veal crates. Chris Trevis, I was talking to him, I bought his print, and he called it Artist Shoebox. Oh, it, it's, t- to be
3: honest, it's disgusting the way they're treating them because there's so many talented folks down there and they're pumping out some good stuff.
2: I've never seen Artist Alley be a literal alley that is in the dark side of the convention center.
3: There just doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason with, with some parts of the extending convention floor. I, I'm, I'm not quite sure it, why it's set up the way it is set up. Anyway, you probably know my experience. Experiences with Artist Alley and uh, the corridor of hostility story back from Celebration 5 anyway I'd pre-ordered the Jake print I got number 2 this time picked up number 2 print he drew a little act bar on it for me um nice little sketch. He, i picked up some other original artwork from him as well and we just had a good laugh the guy is a, a real top laugh i know he's british and we probably get along better because it's that but you know he's telling me about his divorce he's telling me about the german swear words he knows i'm really happy with the art i picked up we also um picked up a couple of autographs early doors as well so yeah we had a good morning we picked up what we needed to
2: talking about jake he was probably talking to you so much because he thought you were his brother Because we went to see Jake, and Jake was like, I know you. I talked to you guys in a pub, and you didn't know who I was because I was in a pub, and I'm just a guy who draws pictures, so I didn't feel like bringing it up. But we talked in Orlando. He's referring not to Celebration 6 because he didn't go to Celebration 6. He's thinking about Celebration 5 when we were never at a
5: pub. We also picked up the Jake print, and he claimed to know us as well from writing the Tube in London last week. So it's been quite the experience with Jake. I
3: won't hear a word said against the guy. The guy is solid gold. He is is the best artist here for me. And uh, he's, a, he's a top lad. No, no.
2: Nothing against Jake. We just found that a little odd. He may have the best memory in history. Maybe he did run into Daryl on the tube. And maybe we did have a drink at Celebration 5. That was so many podcasts ago. I don't remember. And maybe he has one of those memories that is a trap. Or he has the worst facial recognition in history and is confusing absolutely every bald guy for Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> But we didn't get his print. I was a little disappointed after ordering his Celebration Europe print, his Celebration Japan print, his Celebration 4 or 5, to not like this one.
1: He was doing commissions for $50, 50 euros, which is a major bargain for Jake, someone of his caliber. So I asked him to do a Jar Jar. And he kind of got excited because he's never done a Jar Jar before, so I get Jake's first Jar Jar.
2: The first Jar Jar ever drawn by Jake. That's got to be something.
1: Sadly, he had to look up what Jar Jar looked like.
2: That's because he never wrote a tube
4: with Jar Jar Binks.
1: But you
2: ask him to draw Daryl. He goes, oh, yeah, Daryl. Sketch, 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 sketch.
1: Riding on the tube, holding his arm up.
3: But there were other good prints on show. I mean, the, the Chris Travas print is going down well. The Malcolm Tween print, the Atat sort of rampaging through the forest, looks like it's going very well. And there was also a, a young lady. I, uh, she was called Shay something. She was sort of doing um, alphabet letters, but she was wearing the slave layer bikini, and uh, that was looking good from where I was standing.
2: I did get the Chris Travis prints. I did get the Joe Caroni prints. Beyond that, it was a lot of looking, but I didn't buy a whole lot. We bought some patches just because we got some new messenger bags for the convention and for Europe, so I wanted to kind of spruce up my bag, but I did get some patches. We got the art. I got the two Celebration exclusive prints, but... More than anything, I think our shopping was light. The big fun of this con for me has been the people, getting to see you guys, getting to meet a lot of our international listeners who I've never met before, coming up and introducing themselves, saying they've been listening to us for years, just not realizing the international community and getting to see people. It just seems weird how everyone we
3: meet seems to know Jerry from some sort of uh, word-related
4: enterprise. When we came back to the hotel last night, Steve kind of reintroduced me to uh, uh, Cole, who, you know, we're exchanging, hey, where are you from? I'm like, oh, I'm from Ohio. and He's like, oh, hey, you know, I lived in Ohio. Where are you from exactly? Cincinnati. Hey, I live in Cincinnati for... Yeah, we work at the same company. You know, it's, it's a small world among collectors, isn't it?
1: I'm convinced after this weekend that Steve knows everybody. I thoroughly am convinced.
3: It is strange again how people have sort of randomly recognised me just by me talking. Again we were just sort of, we weren't even in the queue we were looking at the queue and deciding because me and Suzanne woke up a bit later we thought we'd amble into the con this morning and we were just stood there looking at the queue and some fella just shouted Suzanne so she looked round. A fella came up sort of uh, told us he'd recognised her just by a look and me by my voice and he he gave us a little badge, a little pin and, and moved on dead quickly so it is dead nice to sort of be recognised. Anyway, can I sort of switch focus now and can I start to talk about what we've done today, apart from the shopping? I was very fortunate to um, see the world premiere of Attack of the Clones in 3D today and very privileged to watch it with Jerry and Marjorie and Arnie and it was a great experience. I've made no secret about the fact that it's my least favourite film of the six, but I think 3D improved it. It really lent a lot to the sort of action scenes, and, yeah, it wasn't a perfect 3D conversion. There was great depth in a lot of the films, really brought out some of the action scenes particularly, but there was a bit of fuzziness at the edges. We noticed a lot of ghosting during the film, particularly during overexposed scenes, lots of scenes where light was sort of coming through windows, caused a lot of the ghosting effects. But no, we had a whale of a time, and to get to watch it finally with some of the fellow members of the Swan staff and talk about what we feel about the movies was was really a great experience. I'm, I'm so glad I, I went to that showing.
2: I mean, to be honest, Steve, it was fun to watch the first 20, 30 minutes of the movie with you and Jerry because I got such a freaking headache. And I don't get eye strained during 3D movies. I see so many for now playing, sat through Man of Steel, what was that, two and a half hours of 3D? I'll agree. The depth was so good. This crawl was amazing. The Senate scene with the, brings warm feelings to my heart. Bad line. (laughs) Great depth of the room. The Coruscant chase, which was about where my migraine started to kick in. Awesome. I think this 3D conversion just rips the pants off what they did to Phantom Menace. But the guy came up on stage and said this is the world premiere. And it hit me. This was. We saw the first showing ever of this. And what a cruddy projector to put it on. Just a bad sound system, a bad projector with ghosting, and all I could keep thinking is, this would look so much better in my house if they put it out on 3D Blu-ray than it is here, but it was a good conversion.
1: I think that the Coruscant speeder chase was tremendous in 3D. Even on a crappy projector, I really hope they do release this on a Blu-ray 3D set because, oh my God, we would watch this all the time. Rumor is they finished all the way through episode five, and I really hope they finish six and release it, because oh my god, I would watch this probably every weekend.
2: What's really funny to me is thinking that they probably do have it done. And people right now are like, why
1: won't they release it? Why
2: can't I buy it on Blu-ray? But then, if they did, they'd put out the box set and have new bonus features and be like, well, I just had to buy this in 3D. Why are you doing this to me again? So I have this feeling that around the time of episode 7, there will be a new box set release. They always do that when there's a new sequel out. They always release a box set of the previous ones. And that it may well have the 3D conversion of at least episodes one through three. I don't know about the, how far they got in the original trilogy.
6: So you've got me half soul now on this uh, episode two and 3D because I had plans of not going to see it, really.
1: Oh, you need to go, Phil.
6: Yeah.
4: Yeah, no, I mean, it it could be the once-in-a-lifetime to ever see it in anything that resembles a theater, so have at it,
2: man. Hey, and there's exclusive 3D glasses
5: that come with it. Yeah, I tried to get into the 3D release of it today, and they had blocked off the, the queue for it once they had kind of filled up, so I don't know if they're limited on the number of glasses they're actually giving out or why they stopped off people coming in, because other people had already left by the time I tried to go in.
2: I do think it may be a glasses thing, and they can't tell if we're coming back in, but every seat was full. When they started that movie,
3: there's so many great action scenes in the in the movie. I mean, the Camino showdown between Obi Wan,
2: which is why it's not the worst film of the saga.
3: The dialogue is why it's the worst film of the saga. No amount of 3D can improve. Around the survivors a perimeter create. The dialogue is just in Attack of the Clones, and that, that's why it's the worst film.
2: But no, there's there's loads of. I don't like sand.
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's loads of great action scenes. Like I say, the Camino fight was awesome. The asteroid chase between Django and Obi-Wan was absolutely fantastic. The Geonosis battle really popped in 3D. So, yeah, if you get a chance to see this, you know, if it is going to come out on 3D Blu-ray, I'd say definitely go for it.
2: Yeah, if I could walk back in to watch some more of those scenes, I would. But again, I don't get those headaches. It's not really a headache. It's definitely an eye strain. But the ghosting, and maybe the seats we had, because every seat was full. Not every seat was a good seat. And maybe where we were sitting was a bad, bad seat. But the ghosting was miserable. And I was just in agony by the time Zam Wessel was dead. And so I was like, I'm out of here. You, you love her that much, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah, Absolutely.
1: Now what's funny is I get eye strain to a point that it becomes enjoyable for me to watch 3D movies sometimes. And I took migraine medicine before the movie. And I was doing okay. I could tell I had strain. I did see the ghosting. I did see the problems with it. And I would love to see it on a great projector with a great surround sound instead of crappy auditorium speakers. But I think it has potential. And I would love to see A New Hope trench run in 3D. Tell me that wouldn't be awesome.
2: I'm going to throw this out here. All 3D conversion is unnecessary. Was it cool? It was cool. It was nifty. It was a gimmick. It doesn't change the base movie, as Steve said. All the Star Wars movies are good. You don't need to gimmick them up like this. I don't need to see A New Hope in 3D. In 3D! I mean, it's good the way it is. Star Wars is not an actress at 39 who needs to go to the plastic surgeon and get those nips tucks to stay relevant anymore. It's perfect the way it is. But you know,
4: the fact that we're talking about Attack of the Clones so much and the 3D experience... I mean, you're right, you're right. I'm I'm not going to love the movies more. But it all comes back down to the movies, doesn't it? I mean, today... Attack the clones in the middle of the day, return the Jedi to cap it off. I mean, we've seen two of the movies together, a first, aside from the spouses represented, but first time we've gotten together and seen the movies. And I think that was a big thrill for me at this convention of seeing two of the movies in such a grand way out. That atmosphere, a 180 degree difference from what we did with the 3D in, in the hall, but so amazing. A, a really good setup out there.
2: It was done at 7.30, and it doesn't get dark until close to midnight here, so that really threw me off. I was worried because they were showing it in the daylight. We have a drive-in theater in our town, and they start the movies at 9 p.m., and with daylight, they look terrible. But they had this gorgeous LED screen that just popped. The colors were so vibrant. It was just amazing.
6: Yeah, I was second that, basically. I've never actually seen a movie outside before, let alone something on that size. I was mentioning to Steve uh, while watching it, just the the sound quality as well, as well as the picture quality was absolutely superb. The only thing I could say on it the top end of it, if they could roll it off slightly, just the, the higher end of it was piercing a bit. Nothing with the volume, just you know, roll it off a bit, but the, the bottom end of it, the bass, you could like, really feel it thumping through you. And that's something I haven't heard for a long time, being through like festivals and, and whatnot. But as far as the, the experience, seeing Jedi on a big screen like that outside, full of fans, you can't beat it. And it's not something you can like, go home and buy on eBay, it's just one of the
2: experiences. The only thing I can say about the sound is I did like the sound a lot. Damn, that lightsaber was deafening, though. Oh, my God. It was like cover your ears.
3: Oh, aye. When Luke pulled his lightsaber out and ignited it, it was ear-piercing, yeah. Go back to Celebration Europe number one. We watched A New Hope outside in a pretty similar way, and it was a standout feature of the con. So I was well up for seeing Return of the Jedi tonight and watched Attack of the Clones early in the day in good company, and it was even more good company tonight because Daryl was there, Phil was there, Scott was there. You you know, it was just a a great experience. Just being able to sort of lean into each other's ear and just have a quick word about your theory about that part of it. Is it sanctuary or century? These sorts of discussions need to be had. It's century, folks yeah anyway sanctuary.
2: it's sanctuary we yeah, were you, by the professor yeah
3: there's only one ginger prince. yeah <laughs> okay. I say century anyway just nice to see it with with friends in that experience and you know the crowd we all awed when the Ewok died we all cheered when the Emperor got thrown down the, the shaft
4: and Steve gave us a memorable it's a trap <laughs>
3: Hardly memorable. Neither was my dancing like an Ewok at the end, but you know, we sat next to the beer truck. It, it was a really good time. Again, I'd advise anyone who's not seen Star Wars outside on a, on a big screen like that to definitely do it if you get the chance.
1: I totally want to do this in our backyard now. We had so much fun. It turned into like a Rocky Horror kind of experience where people would say the lines, the key lines together. When they showed Vader dead and the ghost and it was Hayden Christensen, everyone booed. You know, that kind of- this stuff. It was a lot of fun. There were a lot of lightsabers in the air. The Little kids reenacting the Darth Vader and Luke lightsaber battle. And it was so much fun.
2: All right. I love, I'm going to be kind of the opposite side. I had a great time with you guys. I had an absolutely great time with you guys. But the journalist in me couldn't take my finger off the pulse of the crowd. And all those scenes you talked about where we said the lines where we awed over the Ewok, where we yelled no when Vader did and we booed. Did you notice all of those are in the last half hour of the movie? Because that's when we started making our own fun. I really think that for the first hour of the movie, I was actually shocked at how disengaged the audience as a whole was. And there were thousands of people there. And I think they were more interested in the beer trucks than they actually were in the movie. And there wasn't the communal thing. There was every so often a thing here and there. They'd woot when the Rancor was killed. But overall... I didn't feel the audience became engaged until we started making it like a Rocky horror event. My one theory to that
4: is that the event started off with a documentary
2: called The Return of The Return of the Jedi. Otherwise known as Kyle Newman's living room audience.
4: Yeah, and it was kind of a downer because it was just, yeah, these people, I guess Kyle Newman knows, joking about Return of the Jedi interspliced with scenes of the movie that we were about to go see. And, and you know what? It actually kind of sucked some energy. It was only like
2: 10 minutes long, but you're just like, oh, God, just get to the movie. And when you have Jason Muse talking about an <laughs> Ewok, not cool.
3: The other theory about this is I I don't think the Americans amongst us understand the European sensibility. We're quite reserved for people who sort of share that common experience and and vocalise things out loud. It is quite unheard of. It definitely doesn't happen in in Britain unless we've had a couple of beers. And, you know, I I just get the idea that had this been an all-American crowd, that might have happened early on. It took a little bit of time for the European crowd to warm up.
5: Yeah, and I've been to some of those viewings at the other celebrations in America when they've had them. Uh, I know Empire Strikes Back very early on, obviously, with Luke and Leia kissing in that one. You get the oo's and ahs that. And so definitely there is a difference between the European sensibility and the American sensibility, maybe. But I think the beers did help. I will say we didn't keep up because we were paying for their beers. They were getting theirs for free. It was a great time. I loved it. I'm so glad we
2: went. But I was just shocked. It kind of had a feeling of everyone there knew the movie so well. And people were filtering in, you know, an hour into it. There were still just more and more people. By the time the movie reached the end, I could not believe how many people were there. Doing it outdoors like that in a huge field, great idea. Because if you'd done an auditorium, you would have had to turn people away here. It was like Woodstock. It was tremendous. But beyond just the movies, there were some other panels today. I actually didn't get to go to any of the panels other than I sat in at the end of one, which was the refocusing your collecting. Daryl, you were there for the entire panel. What I heard was kind of interesting.
5: Yeah, going in, I kind of thought it was going to be more on, you know, changing maybe from going from Hasbro into some higher end, you know, maybe Gentle Giant or Sideshow or something like that, but it was completely not what I expected. It was mainly dealing with life changes and and how, you know, a divorce or changing a job might affect your collecting, so it was decent still. I, I did enjoy the panel. The collector's room with the Star Tots, which it was held in, it was actually only about a third full. I know the Lego panel earlier in the day had been completely full. I think that was more from what it was dealing with rather than trying to get the Star Tots. It's a little more reserved than we see here in the States. The other panel I did catch today was the Clone Wars panel, and that panel was kind of a behind-the-scenes, even though the series has ended. Um, it did have some behind-the-scenes stuff. Talked about maybe trying to release the forgotten footage, if you will, the season six-and-a-half or whatever it is, season five-and-a-half. Trying to find a way to outlet that. I guess with a press conference, they did announce that season five is getting released on DVD.
2: Yeah, I actually got a press release that at the very tail end, I guess, of this Clone Wars panel, they announced October 15th, Season 5 of The Clone Wars on Blu-ray and DVD. More, the entire series, an entire series collection on Blu-ray and DVD. And that comes with a making of art book and all of this. It's, I believe, $150 is the MSRP for the Blu-ray set, because that's what I was looking at. But I read the press release three times and never did it say these bonus episodes that they've been showing the trailers for. So I contacted their PR contact because I'm like, I don't want to read between the lines. I don't want to guess. And so I contacted Tracy at Lucasfilm. And I said, Tracy, what's up? And she goes, we do not have any release plans for these episodes. Release is TBD. You know, as the Republic Forces Radio Network
4: representative here, I think it's absolutely insane to think that they'd put together a full box set of, you know, all five seasons, every minute of footage, and that not be a part of it. You're always going to feel like... What am I missing? Here, here. Should I buy it now? Or should I wait till they do something with it? Because you know they'll repackage it again. Especially when you're, if you already own the four seasons, like maybe a handful of us do. So I could see a bad risk with that news is that most people, some people, might just buy the season five have it, have the completion, and then if they release that bonus content, you'll pick it up or get the box set then. So weird call that they can't figure out what to do with this footage. There's not that much of it, right? I mean, there's a handful of episodes, and it it can't be that hard to figure out what they're going to do.
5: Yeah, what they mainly talked about during the panel was really, you know, to me kind of the Clone Wars is more focused on Ahsoka and Anakin, but the the behind-the-scenes of the footage they released or kind of talked about for this extra dialogue or whatever, is dealing more with like Yoda and visiting the Sith temple and, you know, maybe some other characters such as Padme going out on some adventures of her own. So really, it didn't really have anything to do with Ahsoka, which they've already kind of finished up but kind of left open. So we'll see where it goes and if they ever do get to release it. I agree with you completely, Jerry, because I was looking at the season five box set because
2: I own seasons one through four. The reason I was looking at this all season box set is I'm used to this. I owned all the seasons of so many TV series and then they come out with the complete series set that has these extra bonus features. And if you want to be the completest, you have to buy what you have again. And so I kind of thought that that's what they would do. It's a bilking. It's a double dipping. So I expected the bonus footage to be on there. And the fact that it isn't now makes me wonder, will it ever have a home media release? It feels like it has to, right? It feels like they'd be making a mistake not to. But I try to avoid giving into corporate double dipping as much as possible. And so given that there's that book and I think a few extra bonus features on the five season set, It makes me think that I'm going to buy Season 5 only and have the individuals and just sit back and wait. But maybe they'll release this bonus content online as a prelude to Rebels. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I guess let the
4: speculation begin of kind of what Disney's MO is on this type of stuff. But I just thought that was very underwhelming for a celebration to not really cap that big news for the celebration crowd. It's a missed opportunity in a lot of ways. I'm sure they'll announce it when they announce it, if they announce it, but... Wow, it just seemed like a good time to have done it this week. And
2: I think the basic reason they wouldn't, the people who I talk to don't know, the people at the upper tiers aren't saying or may not know themselves. I mean, it's not like they're waiting to announce it next week. or I don't know, D23 is coming, maybe they are next week. But I kind of think that they're just trying to figure out what their strategy is. And a lot of things, especially dealing with EU and To me, Clone Wars is EU. It's not a movie, so it's EU. A lot of things like the books and everything are kind of in flux. I think this falls under that purview. But that's a real disappointment because I think everybody was looking at this box set as the obvious outlet for those episodes. And that they're not there, they're not even there on a complete series set. It just means that they're lying on the title. It is not the complete series. If you have more episodes that you're going to release, this is the incomplete series.
3: I only went manage one panel today. I've not even seen a start in real life so none of the collecting panels. No, the only panel I went to was quite near the end of the day and it was a, a Lucasfilms collectibles panel and it was basically uh, Chris Spitali and he was just going over old San Diego Comic-Con stuff and he promised us uh, a few exciting new details and just produced absolutely nothing new at all. It was, having listened to um, the Swans coverage of San Diego Comic-Con, absolutely nothing new whatsoever. And what was more entertaining were the line of questioning coming from folks at the end and we we had a good 20 minutes of questions people were bleeding the guy dry with their questions but nothing new nothing exciting nothing to report really what
2: kind of questions were they asking
3: I suppose the most interesting one was asked, I think he's a a swanling, actually, a guy called Fly Guy, asked about, now Disney are in charge, where are we drawing the line on Lucasfilm authorising collectibles? Are we authorising anything? You know, where's the line in the sand? I mean, Marjorie will tell you about the ears that she's bought for a dog, you know, the Petco stuff that was introduced at San Diego Comic-Con. Do we draw the line at silly stuff, or will Lucasfilm under Disney now licence anything? And... To be honest, he avoided the question, but someone pressed him for details, and he he then talked about inappropriate stuff, and we thought about maybe declined the line of sex toys, maybe. And then he talks about silly stuff, and he said, well, we'll let Celebration do that. You know, we'll do the Vaderhosen. We'll do, you know, the the Mickey-taking stuff through Celebration Store, but we'll never allow licensees to do that, so you'll never see Gentle Giant pulling off a, you know, sort of a a Mickey-taking spin on things.
2: Can you explain that Comic-Con Akbar bust Well, they they showed that,
3: and you you know I wasn't a big fan of that at all. But no, he didn't really reference that in his answer. And
4: you know, that line of questioning actually led me. I I asked them how the Disney ownership now is going to impact future decisions with Lucasfilm licensing. And I got a non-answer. I got the kind of what I expected, like, hey, it's too early to tell. He incorrectly referred to it as a Disney partnership. And I, I want to say, oh, no, actually, they own you now. I don't know if you got the memo. So that was kind of funny. But, yeah I, yeah, I thought it was actually kind of an interesting line of, like, okay, now that you're Disney. Because he had made a comment about, you know, they, they talked about a, uh, items for the car. So, like, seat covers, steering wheel covers, even little labels that you can put on, or even big labels that you can put on the outside of your vehicle. And it led him to say something like, well, we got there because we saw other licenses like Marvel, Disney princesses. It's like, okay, Marvel, obviously that's all Disney just said. So are we seeing Disney saying, hey, wait, what do you mean you don't have Star Wars on this and Star Wars on that? So I pressed to that a little bit, but didn't really get an answer out of it.
3: To be honest, I was really disappointed with the panel and the tone of the panel. I thought it was quite a sexist panel. On numerous occasions, he he, he just sort of brought this sexist feel to it. I mean, he talked about Star Wars as a boy's property. And, you know, I would, there, there were women in there, and I, if I was a, a woman, I'd have felt offended. He, when he was talking about the bishoju line, not only could he not pronounce bishoju Bishodhu. Yeah, neither can I, obviously.
4: <laughs> well, that's how, that's how he said it.
3: Yeah, of course, I was doing it as he said it. But, uh, you know, he was, he was asking the audience, oh, what sexy ladies would you like to see? And, you know, people were taking the mickey, shouting Amberoo and what have you. But j- 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 just the flavour of the presentation was really quite sexist. I was quite offended. Young Amberu,
2: I'm down. That's exactly what he said.
1: <laughs> okay, girls like Star Wars, but GS yes, has been covered to death. We understand that.
2: Listen, here's the thing though. I want to just clarify and be his defense. He's a nice guy, first yeah, of all. He's and very nice. second of all, he's in marketing. And when he starts looking at what Star Wars is, when Hasbro releases their quarterly reports, Star Wars is a boys' toy line. It is not a girls' toy line when you go straight down the marketing, politics, and the licensing, and the business speak. Chris is not a spokesperson. He's head of Lucasfilm licensing. So when he says boys thing, you know, when you talk about the Bishojo line, Bishojo means beautiful woman and it's a sexy line. So when you're talking about Bishojos, you're going to be talking about sexualized, sexist portrayals of women to a degree. I mean, take that for what you will. But when you think of Star Wars as a marketing line, I think that it's classically a boys toys line. But her universe proves that there is that other contingent.
3: I just felt the, the flavour of the panel was a bit wink-wink, nudge-nudge. I think we're doing it wrong. If we're going down there, it's the a classic boys' line. Well, you know, it might have been in the 70s, but I think we've got to expand. We've got to accept that this isn't just a boys' line anymore. Just looking round the con, there's as many young girls here as there are young lads, and I, I think we've got to be a bit more open about this. It's everyone's property. It's not just a boys' line, and if Hasbro or Lucasfilm or whoever are treating it that way, then I think they're missing a the trick. It is for everyone.
2: I completely agree with that. I do not disagree, but I think when you look at who buys some of the items, there's a reason they didn't make an Ahsoka roleplay lightsaber, despite me asking Hasbro on numerous occasions, when are you going to make an Ahsoka roleplay lightsaber?
3: So I think the next question then is, what are we doing tomorrow, folks? Because uh, early tomorrow morning, I've got a date with Miss Kathleen Kennedy, or Mrs. Kathleen Kennedy.
2: To be clear, you have a date with a line, and you hope to begin to see Kathleen Kennedy.
1: I was going to say this sounded kind of scandalous, Steve.
2: They call him the Ginger Prince for a reason. I'm hoping, fingers
3: crossed, that I'm I'm looking for a title for episode seven. I'm looking for some casting, whether that's you know the original three coming back or whether that's Zac Efron or Ryan Gosling. I'm looking for JJ himself, JJ Abrams, to maybe appear. I'm pumped. I'm getting that line early to find out the scoop.
2: Of all that, I think the last is the most likely. J.J. Abrams making a surprise appearance, I'd give that over 50%. A title, no movie announces its title this early. It's going to be 2014, mid-2014, before they do that. As far as casting, there's rumors. I don't know. You know, I, I would be content enough just
4: to... Here's something about the premise. Hey, it's going to be about Luke training New Jedi. I mean, that right there would actually be all I would expect. It's like, you know, is it much later in the future? Is it immediately? Is it this? Is it that? Is it really going to focus on these characters and Luke's in the back? You're right. It's so early out. I would take that as a start. Like, our premise is X, Y, Z.
2: Maybe. It feels a little far out even for that, but Maybe. I may try to join you. We're emceeing the collecting stage, but there's no collecting panel until noon tomorrow. So I may see if I can join you, and I'm very interested.
6: Yeah, just pretty much what Steve was saying before uh, about possibly what they're going to be saying or what not they're going to be saying about episode 7. I would put easy 10 or 20 on saying that they'll, they'll give the cast and crew. So as a as title...
2: Are we talking dollars or euros? Because I might take that bet.
6: Either way. Or, <laughs> but they've got something down. As far as a contract, definitely, you know. So I think probably uh, custom and crew and, like I say, would like to think about a
2: title. It would be nice. It certainly would be anticlimactic if she just comes out there to go, "Yep, we're doing episode seven. J. J. Abrams will be directing, and it's coming out in 2015."
1: But in the past, we've had lackluster presentations before that didn't tell us anything new, no breaking news, and they were just really just, a, "Oh, pretty Star Wars fans, it's okay."
2: I'll say this. I almost didn't go to the Kathleen Kennedy thing. I didn't even think about it. Because when you go to see George Lucas, it's George effing Lucas. He made Star Wars. He's one of the richest men on the planet. He's a philanthropist. So seeing him, there's just a draw. There's a star attraction, you know. There's just something about seeing that celebrity. Kathleen Kennedy took his job. Kathleen Kennedy cannot take the public name recognition of George Lucas. Kathleen Kennedy didn't create my childhood. Yeah, but do you think then
6: it's going to be more of a sort of a business talk saying, right, this is how we're going to push the franchise forward
2: or is it going to be a case of, right, this is what's coming in two years' time? She has a long entertainment background. She's worked in entertainment for a long time. I don't think it'll be a business talk. I'm just saying, I got out in line at what time, 4 o'clock in the afternoon or noon in the afternoon at Indy at Celebration 3 to see George Lucas. I don't see anybody doing that for Kathleen Kennedy. Not that she doesn't deserve it.
1: Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to line up tonight to go see her. Nothing against her. That's great. She's a woman. She's got a really high position. But I don't think anyone's going to wait in line to see her. She does not have the name recognition. She has not formed anyone's childhood or young adult life for you know, the reason why somebody's collecting so many different things. Now, maybe in time she can accomplish that, but...
2: They've got to do something. They've got to wow us. Rumors are what rumors are. I'm hearing they will. But tomorrow is just day two of the cons, so we will talk to some of you tomorrow night and find out how it went. So we're here with Brian Rude, Joe Caroni, and Chris Travis, three of the artists from Artist Alley here at Celebration. Hello, gents. Hi, Ernie. How you doing? Hey, Hello. How's it going over in Artist Alley, or Chris, we mentioned, you called it kind of a shoebox? <laughs> yeah, it's a, little, it's a bit of a box in the corner, but uh, it's actually doing really well. It's always
7: been a good, steady crowd today, and uh, yeah, it's been lots of fun. They could use some uh, more air circulation, though, back there. It's a little sweaty, but... it a little exciting for the show, <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and your exclusive prints going well here? Yeah. Yeah, it's been going great. Very good.
7: <laughs> yeah, no, it's not it's not really the horror show that we were oh. dreading. It actually turned out to be a little better than we hoped. So, you never know what you're getting into when you travel over to a show like this. So, I'd say expectations were medium and the response today's high yeah it's always kind of a gamble when you're kind of going out of your element to an international venue and you don't know how the fans are going to react and yeah if your artwork's going to sell or if people are going to even show up and the crowds were pretty good today and tomorrow it's going to be even probably crazier
2: how about other than what you're here on work to do how's the con going you guys enjoying yourselves
7: yeah, I haven't had a chance to see too much. Wandered around a little bit after setup. Uh. I shouldn't talk about that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, now I want you to. You've yeah, yeah, right? too much fun already. <laughs> no, it's no. a
7: blast. We've had a really yeah. good time so far. Yeah, it's, no, it's always great to come to these things and catch up with everyone we know. We don't get to see very often, so even if we live an hour away from each other, we never see each other. <laughs> I think last month was the first time we've all officially got together yeah,
2: in one place, right? Yeah,
7: yeah that was the first yeah. time. My basement. Yeah. yeah. Super awesome <laughs> don't, day. Don't ask what happened down there. It was just
2: <laughs> Is that where the printer was? Cuz I saw some Facebook photos of all you guys doing color yeah, inserts. <laughs> <laughs> I have
7: the a basement. Heidelberg 70 foot press <laughs> in my basement. <laughs> no. It's pretty solid. Michigan we Rates are pretty low for real estate and such, so <laughs> it's cool, man. Yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah the printer was in his hometown. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, yeah. We it was the, we went to uh, Brian's town to do all of our printing, so there's these guys with the serious answer. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. yeah. the same printer we used last year for Celebration Six, Brian and I. Metzger's. They're going to yeah. love it. Metzger's Met- is Met- the plug. Metzger's. <laughs> Metzger's.com <laughs> Metzgers. <laughs> Metzgers. <laughs> We would like a discount, please.
2: <laughs> well, actually, now I know who to call whenever I get those commissions colored online and they send me the big tips. Yeah, yeah, I know where yeah, to send right. them. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Have you guys done a Celebration Europe before or Celebration yeah. Japan? I think we're all we celebration.
7: did. We All three of us came to uh, London for celebra- the first Celebration Europe. And yep, I think and, yeah. we all skipped Japan. Yep, we, yeah, all, we, did. we <laughs> all skipped Japan. <laughs> and we're kind of glad we did because so we heard that didn't Go over quite as well as London. And then when they announced this was one weekend after Comic Con, we said we gotta go there because it's easy like that. Yeah, (laughs) right. Yeah, we tortured ourselves going to (laughs) Comic Con and then last weekend and then coming here this week. We had a one day recovery. Uh, Yeah, totally enough.
2: Yeah, we did the exact same thing, so I'm completely with you. But hey, at least you had the day, right? Yeah, Yeah, one one day.
7: one, One day of rest, right? Yeah.
2: And you guys all signed up for Celebration 7, then? (laughs) Not yet. yet. Did they announce it? We'll see what the (laughs) announcements are. Something we missed tonight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
7: No, whatever, wherever it is, we'll be there, but. They heard you. Yeah. Uh oh. That's that's Lucasfilm. They've got you bugged. No, no, he was kidding. No, wait. That's our Lucasfilm implant. Wait. George? Yeah, right. <laughs> no, it was a joke, dude. It was a joke. right, this 400th episode thing.
2: Don't you mean Kathleen?
7: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah no, that's right. Sorry.
2: <laughs> I saw on a couple of your Facebook pages if there are extras left over that they should follow you on Facebook and things to see. Well
7: played. Yes. Thank yes, you. Yes. Uh, yeah. As soon as we get home, we'll start contacting people on our wait list and uh, you know going first person. You know, first come, first serve. But nope, we're selling out here. So, well, I think we're going to have plenty of leftovers between the three of us, for sure. Between the three of us. Yeah. Individually, yeah. not so many. Yeah, no. I, I think we're going to have leftovers, so if anyone wants a print, they can go to our website, email us, go to Facebook, contact us, and just, you know, we'll set it up and ship out a print to whoever wants one, as long as they can afford it, I guess.
2: <laughs> as long as they pay. Right. And they'll be paying 23% less than I paid for a couple of your prints because of that stinking vat.
7: Right. Oh yeah. right. That's true. A little bit, yeah, we'll be be a little bit less won't it yeah,
2: yeah. guys thank you for joining us hey, i hope you're having you. a good time yeah thank uh, you
7: congratulations Congrats. to your uh, 400th yeah. episode wow that's a milestone congratulations guys yeah. thanks. Congrats. and thanks
2: well it's the end of saturday and we have been In a bunch of panels today versus yesterday when it was mostly floors, today was a lot of panels. And I think the two big ones were Kathleen Kennedy and Rebels. And I didn't make either. I was working the celebration stage and watching just a ton of great collectibles panels. And honestly, zero regrets. I enjoyed the collectibles panel so much. And I think as we're going to find out, I think the Rebels panel and the Kathleen Kennedy panel... We're good, but I don't think there was ground-shaking revelations. Jerry, you went to Rebels and your Republic Forces radio network. Let's talk to me about Rebels. Yeah,
4: I mean, Arnie, you're right. Whenever you think about panels like that to where you know every piece of information is going to be online available to you like that day, you just read it. It's a complicated choice. But I chose go to Rebels today because of the uh, Republic Forces Radio Network connection. I just thought it would be kind of a good uh, thing to go in and see. So uh, interesting panel hosted by Warwick Davis over in the celebration stage. He was, you know, I guess, basically moderating, had his little Johnny Carson table on the side. I guess he's doing that for every panel that's going on over there. I'm not even sure if panel is the right word. Rebels presentation. So. so it's just Dave Filoni out and talked a little bit about just some of the uh, – Upfront work behind the show, nothing too groundbreaking at first. Although early on in the conversation, he said... You know, this show's exciting. A few of us got together at a round table at Lucasfilm and we just started talking about what's next. What's the next animated series? So, didn't give any indication if it was Disney this or Lucas's last will and testament that he wanted, you know, this era covered. It was kind of like a collaborative uh, Lucasfilm thing. He didn't say it specifically, but he did talk a little bit about some of his interactions and um, the mentoring he's getting from uh, Kathleen Kennedy. So, I imagine she was probably involved in those specific conversations about what eras to hit. Basically, at one point early on, he said, that, hey, you know, this show's going to take place just a little bit before A New Hope. But then later, one of the tweeted questions, because you could tweet both Kathleen and uh, Dave questions during and prior to the uh, presentations, and one of the questions was, how far after Revenge of the Sith does it take? So it kind of asked it the other way. And he said, oh, you know, you know that's, uh, I do know the answer to that, but I can't, I can't tell it today. And I kind of felt like, it's like, well, earlier you said it was just a little bit before New Hope, which tells me it skews. Towards New Hope. And if you really look at some of the designs of, you know, probably the, the main wow of that presentation today was we saw the, some of the concept images, and I think some are actual images, uh, rather, of things like what an Imperial Star Destroyer looks like, what the Stormtrooper looks like, which is really exciting, what a TIE Fighter looks like. And it was just really interesting
2: to see that. And that TIE Fighter, I like that they scale down the wings. It looks a lot like the vintage TIE Fighter, doesn't it? I mean, do you get a toy inspired feel? Yeah, and you know, it's, that's
4: certainly not unlike something that Dave Floney would do. You know, we got Walrus Man and Clone Wars that look like the original Kenner design with the weird looking vests and everything. You know, didn't match the movie. We got the blue snaggletooth and the Darth Maul arc, so I'm I'm sure that's not intentional. Now, what he says is the influence for this show's animation style, which is going to be very different from Clone Wars. We know that. It's not going to be the wooden puppet-type look, hard edges, things like that. It's going to be something else, and it's completely inspired by Macquarie art. So when you see a TIE fighter in Star Wars Rebels... It's basically Macquarie's original pictures of what a TIE fighter could be. So he's trying to create it as, you know... This was the the 2013 model of a TIE fighter, whereas the movies are the 2020 uh, edition where They're they're similar cars, but they have a much different, uh, you know, you can tell the difference between them. So these are the earlier versions before they grew the wings and before the Stormtroopers helmet finally evolved to the helmets that we know from the original film. So it was cool to see that. Personally, I'm kind of excited. I, I feel like it is more of a OT feel to it. Which, uh, you guys know me, that's, that's right up my alley. I want to get into that era personally. You want to travel to there? Yeah, I, <laughs> yes, yes. Give me a cropped wing TIE fighter and send me along my way. So um, overall, a uh, good panel. I'm sure people probably outside of the convention know all about it now. We did see the official logo, so that was nice. And then there was a shirt. Yes. Right after they revealed the logo, Dave Filoni actually threw about seven or eight shirts out to the audience, and then they announced there that, hey, right after this presentation, the shirt's going to be available in the Star Wars Celebration store. And they went pretty quick. I mean, they still have them now, but they're limited sizes. You can go to the uh, website and order them. Then they also uh, introduced sort of, uh, I guess it was the ship the Rebels used before X-Wings became the standard, I don't know, but a ship called the Ghost. And... It had a t-shirt as well that was sort of like the uh, line art blueprint of the ship. So I'm sure that'll be a big fighter in in the Rebels series. We learned in the Clone Wars panel yesterday, Daryl, our podcast enhancer, had uh, told us about... They had mentioned that ship prior as a, I guess, an unused concept for possibly a, a Saj Ventress ship. So maybe reusing
2: some concepts there. That leads to my question. Is this computer generated? I mean, you said it has a totally different aesthetic, but is it computer animation like a Pixar film?
4: Yeah, you know what? To be honest with you, he never came out and said one way or the other. But based on the images, based on some of the things that he was saying about how even the, um, the ownership now with Disney opens up to him. He specifically said this gives him a lot more capability. There's a lot more that he can do now. So I think with the images we saw, yep, computer animated is uh, you know, the, the way they'd go. I don't think we've seen anything to suggest otherwise. But not specifically called
2: out to your point. So that was kind of an interesting tidbit. And I was watching you live tweet this, and Star Wars Action News retweeted you the whole way so that our Twitter followers could keep up. And one of the really interesting things that I thought you said was that there was a question if Clone Wars characters were going to appear in Rebels.
4: Yeah, you know, he started talking about how the great thing about Star Wars is that you always get new characters, but you always want to see the old characters. And when specifically... You know, I think the the one question that triggered that was, hey, we're going to see like original trilogy characters, and then later there was a question around what Clone Wars characters would would be in there, and that's when he started doing one of those. Well, mm, you yeah, mm, oh, know, I don't know what I want to say here on this. Uh, I know the answer, but I don't know what how much I can tell. And you know, I, I described it in my tweet as a non-answer that sort of said yes, there'll be Clone Wars characters in there. Now, is it Rex? Is it Ahsoka? Is it? cad bane you know causing i mean who knows it could be maintenance droid number five in the corner for all we know but i mean i I think it would be fair you know just like a timothy zahn uh, likes to insert mara jade and uh, thrawn whenever he can i'm sure uh filoni's
2: going to want his staple characters to to be involved in this i'd take that twenty dollars i won from phil and bet it that it's going to be ahsoka if the show goes long enough
4: (laughs) One would think, although he did he did talk about how he personally really enjoyed the uh, Commander Wolves and the Captain Rexes and, and you know the, basically those military style characters that he obviously was influential. And in. so uh, yeah, overall an uh, interesting panel. So uh, you know, fall 2014 that was still the the date they threw out there. I think we already knew that, but that's you know hasn't changed. So uh, I guess a, a year or so
2: from now we'll be talking a lot about this and kind of looking forward to it. Well, just to clarify, getting this question a lot, is Republic Forces Radio Network going to do Rebels? The answer is to be determined. We honestly don't know, but there is a survey right now. If you go to the Star Wars Action News homepage, SWActionNews.com, or go to our Facebook page or Twitter, there's a link to a survey. It's medium length, and one of the questions is, do you want to hear Republic Forces Radio Network cover Rebels the way they've covered the Clone Wars and Ewoks and droids and the Clone Wars micro-series? So let us know in that survey, and we'll go from there. Then the second big panel, of course, is Kathleen Kennedy, which was the one that I really thought about going to even more than Rebels and didn't. And again, not major revelations, but I have to admit, I probably couldn't pick her out of a crowd, I'm afraid.
1: Well, I really couldn't either because, you know, she was on not star power as granddaddy Lucas. And I was riding down in the elevator to go ship stuff, Arnie. I had to walk, you know, a mile there and a mile back in the heat and humidity.
2: <laughs> Uphill both ways.
1: Absolutely. And I rode down. Some people got on the elevator with me. Very pretty woman and a man who I was kind of thinking was Leland Chi and now I really am convinced it was Leland Chi. Anyway, the woman was Kathleen Kennedy. Very pretty, very normal, very elegant. At first, I, I was just talking to them. I didn't realize who they were. Then I saw the guest badges, and I'm like, oh, that makes sense. And I'd seen Steve's tweets. I'm like, oh, okay. I didn't say anything to them. I didn't want to be that person, but very beautiful woman.
2: I'd have been that person. I mean, but it's kind of telling you say she's not granddaddy Lucas. Remember when we saw Lucas at Celebration 3 and his armed guards that looked one step below the, what is it, Gimme Shelter Rolling Stones tour where they had the Hells Angels up there to prevent the people from coming in? I mean, Lucas's guards were packing some massive heat and Kathleen Kennedy's taking an elevator you can get on. But, I mean, come on, Episode 7, this impacts us all as collectors. Apparently, Episode 7 is Ep-7. <laughs> so get it right.
4: That, that's been coined by Kathleen in production. It's Ep-7.
2: So what was the big news from Kathleen?
3: Well, I think that's one of the big things. We're all, all the cool kids are calling it Ep-7 now. But um, beyond that, that, by far the biggest snippet that we got, perhaps the only big snippet that we got. Well, first of all, she said that John Williams was going to return for Ep-7. And then, shortly after, she did say that he'd actually signed on for the whole trilogy. She said last Friday her and JJ sat down in a meeting with John Williams and that he signed and committed to the trilogy. Now, since then, there's been a bit of Twitter feedback saying that they've sort of withdrawn that statement and that he is only actually signed for episode seven. So that's still sort of an ongoing, as we record, that's still an ongoing argument as to whether he is just Ep seven or he is for the whole for the trilogy. But Kathleen on stage said he was signed for the entire trilogy.
4: Yeah, that's kind of weird, uh, Steve, because uh, along with that announcement, they played a video clip that Mr. Williams had recorded for that event. I mean, he was addressing us, obviously not here, and he really was talking as if he was back for the whole ride, because he was talking about how, you know, it was special to him be part of the, the last six movies. So, I mean, he sounded as if he was going to do it as long as he could, not that it was just episode seven, we'll see how it goes. So he was. Uh, obviously very positive about doing the next saga the next trilogy
3: we can only report what we heard and both myself and jerry were sat there in the panel and she definitely said that he'd been signed for all three so i don't know why the sudden sort of dispute over that but yeah that was really the only big piece of news i mean there were there were countless other lovely little snippets that came out i mean she said that star wars was a, a daunting uh, proposition for her but that she'd grown up surrounded by all the powerful men like lucas uh, spielberg marshall um, but that she'd managed to find her own way and she wasn't wasn't going to be overawed by it. She promised us. A combination of cool locations but she said they'd also throw everything in the toolbox, re-special effects at it as well and and she kept talking about how she she really liked film where technology was being stretched by the nature of the film. She said that she loved picking up a script and being frightened by the prospect of having to film that and that was where the sort of link with throwing everything in the toolbox along with sort of real special effects and actual physical locations as well she talked about her history with jj abrams and told us a story about how she first met him as a 15 year old kid and that it was sort of a happenstance that someone had found some of spielberg's old video cassettes that he'd filmed as a a kid and lost in a house that he'd obviously moved out of and someone returned those video cassettes to spielberg and that she then hired jj abrams and is it matt reeves the guy who did cloverfield who who works with abrams i think it is matt reeves and she hired the two of them as 15 year old lads to actually just come and sort through those video cassettes clean them up and give them back to spielberg so she obviously has a a history with the guy
4: and now you know the rest of the story
3: yeah yeah so we got a little bit of that sort of history then warwick davis who was really spent the whole hour trying to get himself into ep7 he he did his level best to try and uh, get the crowd on his side and and convince kathleen to give him a job
2: he is an actor
3: yeah 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 he then he sort of engineered the conversation a little bit further back
2: to ep7 I'm just picturing it. Ep7, leprechaun in a galaxy far, far away.
3: We were shown some leprechaun (laughs) footage, actually. (laughs) But no, when we got back onto the topic of Ep7, Kathleen said that we have an opportunity here to create some amazing new characters. So that was perhaps a a little bit of a giveaway. Um, She said that Star Wars fans deserve a a unique, complicated story. So, again, you you know, that's a, a little snippet. She also gave away the fact that the daughter's obsessed with Darth Vader, so I don't know if we're going to see the return of Darth Vader in some sort of form... But, yeah, that was a nice summary of the main sort of points that she covered. I will agree with, with Marjorie, however, that she is stunning. She looked absolutely stunning on stage today, and she's a much better stage presence uh, than George Lucas. I mean, she joked that she owned one played shirt but didn't have a beard. Yeah. But, no, she was a, a really good stage presence, and I, for one, was very taken, very impressed with her, and, and excited going forward, having, having seen that
5: presentation. She did quite focus on story over special effects. She stressed that their ILM knows how to do their job very well, and she's not worried about that, that she wanted to get the story out there and get a good story going and the, f- the focus of bringing Kasdan in to help with Arnt Is that the yeah, other right. writer's name, Michael Arndt, as well as one other writer, I can't remember his name, but she did focus on that they're really working on the story She didn't say if it's the story over the whole trilogy right now or if it's just the story of Ep 7, but she did mainly focus on that as well.
2: Well, I can tell Ep 7 is going to be like an itch I can't scratch for about a year until I finally get used to Ep 7. But it brings warm feelings to my heart to hear that they're focusing on story because I've often felt that Lucas made the prequels as pretty much a tech demo. I mean, when I went to Celebration 2 and Rick McCullum would get up on stage and be almost like a politician saying, write to your theaters and tell them you demand digital projection. I mean, it really was a hard sell and it felt like those movies were made more to push the boundaries of ILM and to push the boundaries of digital cinema and digital cameras and story was secondary. So to hear the reverse for this... That really excites me because when Lucas made A New Hope, he didn't bother himself with the special effects. He hired people and said, go make the special effects happen and got
5: Dykstra and all of them. So I'd like to see the return to that. She also did mention with the the story and bringing Lucas in about how they had kind of taken a few days, I believe, and kind of downloaded all his thoughts into the writers, particularly the director, J.J. Abrams. So he is definitely involved in this. She did mention that he's still at the ranch on a daily basis. Her office is down in the Presidio unit of ILM and stuff. So she uh, is definitely going with the story on this one.
3: Curiously, though, she did say that J.J. was taking a break at the moment. That was the phrase that she used. And I I just wonder, I know we had very recent rumours that he was being pulled off the film. You know, there was a a real fear for a couple of days that J.J. was going. So I wonder if that taking a break and uh, and, and that's what sort of started that rumour. I'll tell you what, what struck me as well, and it's going more away from episode seven. She seemed incredibly taken with, with the idea of celebration. She said that she'd been given sort of a private tour, so I don't know when that happened, um, but that she'd given a private tour and she was really taken with what she'd seen, particularly the droids. She picked out the droid builders and, and said she was impressed with that. But she sort of then said she'd phoned JJ back and commented to him that she didn't even know this sort of thing existed. She was totally unprepared for what she was about to see. And she then said that she'd be going around today with her phone out and trying to take some movie footage herself that she could show back to the people and sort of educate them a little bit about what celebration was about so i suppose that bodes well for future celebrations if if she's enjoyed what she's seen today
4: one thing that i was really glad about going to this panel today is that you know kind of as uh, Stephen and Darryl here have alluded to i feel a little bit more confident of the star wars sequels being kind of in her, her hands, it seems like she's at the very least saying the right things, which is obviously a good start. I mean, Lucas, when he was doing commentaries, you know, uh, documentaries for Return of the Jedi, himself said that, hey, a special effects without a story is kind of a boring thing. You know, and a lot happened in 16 years, apparently. <laughs> so hopefully this is where Miss Candy is at sincerely. And you know, I feel a little bit better about what we're going to get in a few years with the presentation she gave today.
2: Well, that leads me to my big question, because last night, I mean, keep in mind, listeners are listening to this Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and we had speculated what could be revealed. And I was kind of of the mindset, I was going conservative, that there wouldn't be a whole lot revealed. There wouldn't be a title yet and things. And, you know, listeners were listening to everybody hypothesize and Phil lose 20 euros to me. And (laughs) also his Porsche. So (laughs) he can ship that right over. Were you at all let down? by no Zac Afron and no title, the midichlorian menace, all of that. I mean, did you feel that you got what you wanted out of the panel?
3: Personally, I, I wasn't let down. I know I'd said at our previous recording session that I was hoping for title and I was hoping for some cast, and, yeah, it'd be nice to have that, but I'm prepared to wait, and it, it seems like they're not at that stage yet. She was talking about the fact that they're still in story meetings, so if they're still deciding the story, if they're still shaping the story, of course we're not going to have cast announcements and, of course, we're not going to have a title yet. I can wait for that. It, the time is being spent on the development of what counts, and what counts, really, is, is the story more than anything. So I, I, I wasn't disappointed. In fact, as I've said, I was quite taken with her and her presentation style. You just have to look. I mean, before we went into the panel, myself and Jerry sort of scrolled through on IMDb, and we had a look at what she's actually been involved in, and the list is phenomenal. We're talking about massive seminal movies that she's been involved with, E.T., Goonies, Gremlins, Raiders, Tiny Toons, loads of stuff that she's been involved with, and you've got a faith in her, I think.
2: I have talked to somebody, I haven't validated this myself, but I think he told me that 125 pictures she's touched were nominated for Academy Awards and 25 won. It's crazy. They they did mention some statistic and I'm
3: afraid I can't remember it, but it is something really scary like that. I think we have to have faith in her and no, I'm I'm not disappointed that we've not had announcements. I'll take them when we're, we're ready to hear them
4: we are talking last time, you know, some of us speculated more detailed information than others. I was kind of hoping that maybe some hint of, like, what the error was going to be and things like that. But I think the reveal that we got was sort of the right reveal for this time frame. Yeah, hey, John Williams is going to do the music. You know, that is not earth-shattering. You kind of assume that probably would happen, assuming that... Mr. Williams is still capable of doing that. He obviously is, so why wouldn't he? It was really more of a, hey, uh, get to know Kathleen Kennedy. This is the future of Lucasfilm. We want you guys to feel pretty good with her. She's a good person to be steering the project, and you know, let's build confidence in the fans. And I think they succeeded.
2: And I want to say, from day one, I thought she was a pretty good choice. She's always been kind of part of that extended Lucasian family of Spielberg and Coppola. She's worked so much with Spielberg. Lucas knew her for so many years, handpicked her. And yeah, everything you guys are telling me are instilling me with confidence that this will indeed be a good direction. I'm more happy about new Star Wars movies after talking to you guys and hearing about this panel than I've been since the announcement of new Star Wars movies, which was pretty damn good news.
4: And so I think between, in my opinion, a really positive Rebels presentation and with what we got from Kathleen Kennedy, I mean, I think the future of Star Wars is potentially very exciting.
2: And I sat through the collecting panels today, and there were some great ones. There were Spanish collectibles, which, unfortunately, due to the accent, I had some trouble understanding, but they had some awesome photos of items up there. There was also German collectibles. I was able to get a little bit more out of them, and they had just a packed audience. I mean, you're talking about German vintage collectibles in Germany. Perfect audience. Gus Lopez talking about all of the prop replicas that are out there in the wild in private collections. Just amazing photographs. The one that was of personal interest to me was creating your own collectible, because it's talking about going through and getting Lucasfilm approval and all of that, which is stuff we've had to do with our party shirts and celebrations and things. So I learned a couple of things, and a lot of
5: stuff was validated. Yes, and I know Steve loved that panel, too, because they also, along with the Star gave out a Revenge of the Jedi Admiral Akbar medallion after the...
3: Yeah, I actually got something that was very similar as C6. In fact, it was Jerry who gave it to me. Thank you, Jerry. That somebody did a patch which was the sort of uh, Revenge of the Jedi Akbar in the centre, yellow and blue, proof of purchase. You know, the little sticker that used to be on the vintage card. And so I've got that patch proudly sort of displayed on my Akbar shelf at home. And, but yeah, we, we were given this. It's not a coin, it's a medallion. Yeah, uh, this great little Akbar medallion which was an extra to the start. So I was in rapture with that. Yeah, definitely.
4: Yeah, and another giveaway what was it the French merchandising one? I saw some people. And I kind of wish I got my hands on this. They, had, uh, I guess, one of the giveaways of that was a um, like a reproduction of a toothpaste. Oh,
2: Mr. Darrow has it right here. So, and this is actually from the Spanish collectibles. It's the Colgate oh, okay, that yes. came packaged with a free vintage figure. They only know of one in existence in Steve Sansweet's own collection. It's got a Bib Fortuna in there. Most people just ripped it open and took the figure.
4: Yeah, sorry. I thought someone told me it was from the French one, but Spanish. And you know what I love about this is this this is a die line for a folding card, and this is just like right up my alley. But I wasn't at this presentation. so. uh, But it's nice. It's official Star Wars Celebration Europe. I mean, that's a really nice, exclusive limited reproduction print. So uh, great job. to People got their hands on that.
2: Yeah, it was incredible. I mean, the people who do the collectibles panels half the time have something other than a Star to give away. And I was so happy to be working and get one of those Akbar coins. But you were in the audience. I thought you were going to dance like an Ewok when I saw that Akbar was on that coin. I was
3: grinning from ear to ear. But they, they do marvellous work. I mean, the Star Tots, are, again, are a f- fantastic set. You know, extra little giveaways just to sort of add value to the whole experience. The collecting track just goes from strength to strength for me.
2: Well, it's... By collectors who know what collectors want to give them to collectors. So, these kind of reproductions and little variants and medallions and things. Very cool stuff. This seems trite, but having gone to all the panels today, Steve Sansweet was at the end of the day. My back was hurting. I'd MC'd all day. I'd been up on stage introducing and hawking. hey, buy your Star Tots carrying case and come to the swap meet tonight. And huckstering as I've learned to do. And... I, by the end, I'm like, okay, Steve's talking, and I've talked to Steve enough that I kind of thought it'll be what I've heard before, and a lot of it was what I've heard before. I used to collect the robots and things, but he is so engaging, and it was just him, and the rest of the day, it had all been panels, but it was just Steve, the spotlight just on Steve, but he knows how to tell a story, and he's, I'm sure he's told these stories a million times, but he knows how just to end the story on the punchline that gets the big laugh from the crowd, and that moves on to the next topic, and... He was so engaging and so funny as he just talks about things that we could relate to too much. I mean, he said when he moved up to his current place, his movers told him it was the second largest residential move they'd ever done. And what did they say about the first person had? It was, he had two grand pianos. And when we moved, admittedly, we live in a smaller area, but we were told by our movers it was the single largest residential move.
1: And bigger than most businesses.
2: Yeah, so... Again, smaller area. We don't have a pebble of what he has. We couldn't fill a room of Rancho Obi-Wan, but just it's funny how the plight continues about how, oh, I have all this space, and then it was full. And so I added more space. Look, I had an empty cabinet, and then it was full. Did he happen to say anything, or did anybody ask him about, okay, now Episode seven's coming, what's that mean for Steve Sansweet and Collectors? I wanted to ask him that, and he kind of ended with that. He says there were only two completist collectors he knows, and that's Duncan and him. And I didn't realize he was still a completist because I know he's sold certain things, and he talked about selling some prop replicas. He sold Gus the Boba Fett backpack from Return of the Jedi that Boba Fett was wearing when he goes down in the Sarlacc. So he's parting with stuff. I kind of thought that he hadn't continued completism, but he has. But what he said was, and this was very interesting, and I think our listeners will get a lot out of this. When Disney bought Lucasfilm, what they said was two things. Yeah, Lucasfilm has a long history, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But we bought Lucasfilm, one, to make more Star Wars movies. And two, because we believe that we can make a lot more collectibles than have been made in the past.
4: Wow. That's similar to what we were talking about last time with the uh, Lucasfilm licensing, the the marketing gentleman there, and that's exactly what he's talking about. It's like, hey, you know, Marvel has these type of collectibles. Disney princesses have these collectibles. Star Wars doesn't have those. Let's go make those. So, yeah, I can just think about things that, like, my kids have had over the years being into Disney this, Disney that. Uh, That's a scary statement.
2: Well, it gets scarier for completists and international collectors because, yes, more in America, that makes sense, but... What he said was Lucasfilm licensing was all in-house. It was a Lucasfilm employee, you know, Chris Patali, who you talked about, and they would hire other companies and say, kind of, go do this and let us know how it goes and be very hands-off. But now Disney has this. And so internationally, Lucasfilm being an American company, most stuff was American. And yes, you had your Japanese collectibles and you had your other collectibles, but now Star Wars collectibles are going to be spread across five continents. And that is where it's really going to boom. So if you're a completist who wants all of the foreign language variations and all the various international stuff, and he even pointed at Gus in the panel and said Gus has to buy five continents worth of cereal boxes now.
1: So are we going to start looking for a new house now?
2: He said that... The age of the completist has to come to an end. And I've been saying that on the show for a while. I don't, he didn't use those words, but he said something to that effect is that nobody can do it. And he also said a completist isn't someone who buys it all. It's someone who wants it all. And there's a difference there.
1: There is. But I still want to go back to the parallels between Steve's move and our move because I'm not going to name names. Jonathan and my friend Ryan. Yeah. So Steve was talking about how when people helped him move – he would find little sarcastic comments about the contents of the boxes of people who helped him move.
2: Like one was heavy-ass ceramic fake heads. Yeah. Like it would be helmet, you know, like cookie jars or something of Stormtroopers. They didn't know what they were packing. They were his friends. They weren't Star Wars fans. Uh, They were just careful packers. And after a day of packing, the comments of what's on the box got a little bit more sarcastic.
1: Well, when we went to unpack and move some of our boxes, I discovered a lot of sarcastic comments in some of our boxes. I haven't done the handwriting analysis yet. I guess it also could be Mark. It could be Dark Cheddar as well. But I had three different people helping us.
2: Yeah. All of whom have that kind of sense of humor.
1: Yes, and you know, I had a lot of boxes that say, and yet another box full of Hasbro items. And <laughs> look, more figures, all kinds of stuff like that. None of them have owned up to it yet, but...
2: I think I saw one box that actually just says, why did you buy what's in here? I haven't opened it yet. Well,
4: clearly they haven't honed <laughs> up to it because they're waiting to see how long it takes you guys to say it out loud on the show as an indicator of how long those things are staying in the box. So they've been biding their time.
1: No, but I've confronted (laughs) them. I've asked them. And of course they're like, oh no, it wasn't me. Yeah, right. Well, it's one of you.
5: That box could be the one that has your bag of prequel buttons or whatever, one that you got again today.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I did tell the guys this story. When we bought our patches yesterday... The guy had the
5: original trilogy pins,
2: these bronze pins. And I had a friend who ran a comic store at the time, and he got a huge bag of these. I think from Dark Horse, who was doing the comics back then, I don't know exactly where, but he goes... Do you want these? And it was like 200 pins. And in my hoarding mindset of 1997, it was, yes, I want all the pins and I'll take 200 of the same pins. And in that time, I've now been like, I need one of those pins and I have 199 and I've thought about taking them to the fan breakfast and giving them away. I have not any clue where these pins are. And I got thinking, I got those pins when I was in an apartment. Since then, I moved to another apartment and then a house that I lived in for six years and now another house. I haven't seen these since the first apartment I just mentioned. So did I lose them in a move? Did I lose them in the flood and not realize it? Were they part of that loss? So now I'm concerned that I may not have any of these pins when I had 200 And he had them out there for $3 a pin. And I'm like, well, I'm not paying $3 for something I may have 200 of in the basement. But I will take it for free. And so when I bought my patches, I said, hey, can you throw in one of these buttons? He goes, don't tell anyone. So listeners, don't tell anyone that I've told you. But He threw in one of the buttons for free. So now I can rest assured that I have either 201 or one of the buttons. But if I find the other 200, I'm giving them away maybe at the next Star Wars Action News dinner or breakfast.
1: We're going to have one hell of a yard sale someday
2: so as far as panels go it was a really good day and the con's kind of winding down for us marjorie and i we got to take off at noon tomorrow to go to london but how about the floor marjorie you got your jake print today after quite a bit of time
1: and it turned out to be wonderful it's amazing and he told me that jar jar for some reason is really big in europe
2: yeah i think he was getting a lot of comments on that jar jar Misa don't know why that is. <laughs> the picture he took was hysterical because he didn't draw Jar Jar with his tongue. So when he posed for the photo, he stuck out his own tongue while Jar Jar didn't have his tongue out. I thought that was a great thing. I think that's the prize of the con, is that you got Jake's first ever Jar Jar art.
1: I agree. Here's Steve seeing it for the first time because he wasn't with us when we picked it up.
3: That really is nice. He's just waving hello. But no, he hasn't got his tongue stuck out. And he's, he's captured him very nicely. I, I, I approve.
2: It's full color, too. The other ones we'd seen him do were completely black and white with just a hint of color. This is completely colored in at no extra charge. Usually they charge considerably extra if you want full color. I think that is absolutely the treasure of this convention. Mm -hmm. But what about the con overall after two days? How does it compare to JediCon? How does it compare to Europe 1, Steve? Well, I'm I'm very impressed, but I'm always
3: a little bit suspicious of how much my enjoyment of the actual con is coloured by how much fun I'm having with you guys and uh, all the other people you know that I meet and, and converse with. So, in comparison to JediCon, it's definitely bigger than JediCon. JediCon is a, a very German event; most of the programming is done in German, and this is very much a Lucasfilm Americanized convention simply dropped into Germany. I still don't think it's as big as it could have been had they put it into London again, or into somewhere in the UK. It's definitely not bigger than Celebration Europe 1, um, but it's got the same easygoing, fun vibe that Celebration Europe had, and it's had a lot of the, the cool same features, like the Return of the Jedi showing outside. So it's comparable in feel and tone to the first Celebration Europe, but it is definitely a little bit on the smaller side.
4: Yeah, I mean, overall, just comparing to a Celebration US, for instance, and that's my only frame of reference, having been to two, three... Four, five, six. This is definitely a smaller venue. This is all, it's all scaled down. You almost don't notice because it's far fewer people, but then a much smaller venue. So it's still feel like it's more crowded. Because of that, certainly not as big, but certainly but more crowded. I felt like in Orlando, there was just you could always find an escape route around anything else. People walking slow upstairs, or people stop in the middle of front of you to take a picture. Here, you find yourself kind of stuck for a moment, just like I can't move, you know, whatever. And but overall, I, I also enjoy the fact that yeah, I, and Arnie, I think you said this the other day around it doesn't feel like you have to make the same level of choices. Well. like, You know, there's four things I wanna do right now. I obviously need to pick one. And am I gonna make the right choice? I'll hear about this, am I gonna hear about that? You know, how good that was and maybe the thing I went to wasn't very good, et cetera, et cetera. But I uh, felt like I could do everything I wanted to do. I was very impressed with you know, I I was in line Steve, I guess, you know, we got in line for Kathleen Kennedy very early on, but we didn't have to. We just enjoyed hanging out. It was fun being that close to the line. But that celebration stage, that little arena that's next to us here, it had room to spare for both that and the Rebels panel. I mean, it was in a little arena. It fit probably a couple thousand people. So, you know, I I like the fact that I was in line for uh, Rebels for, you know, 20 25 minutes before they opened the door, he could walk in, sit down, and then watch the, the two guys entertain. Now, one thing, and I don't remember his name, but they're um, they're Disney employees, I guess. And one of them's a DJ slash comedian. And before you know, he they would introduce Warwick Davis. He played these videos about his friendship with Chewbacca. So, Steve, you were in there during Kathleen Kennedy where they were, uh, it was set up like home video of me and Chewbacca hanging out, and the first one was hilarious. It was really funny. I can't really hardly describe it, but Steve, I just want to mention to you that they played a different video before the Rebels won, and it wasn't as funny, but I just thought it was kind of cool that they went to that extent to make these little, like, here's me and Chewie hanging out together The videos. They're really funny.
3: It was just very simple sketches. It was uh, Chewie was asleep on the couch, so the comedian, I think he's called Martin Daniels or something, he comes and sprays shaving foam on Chewie's hand and then sort of itches Chewie, so he goes to scratch the itch and covers himself in shaving foam. And there was another one which showed Chewie carrying 3PO into uh, what looked like a doctor's surgery just from the outside. Uh, you, you know, 3 POs all in bits in the bag, and you think, oh, they're going into getting fixed. And then they come out with wads of cash, and it pans back to show that it's a, a cash-for-gold shop. Um, so, you know, it's lovely little funny sketches like that, and it did sort of get the crowd going, yeah.
5: Yeah, if you've been to the past, I think, two celebrations, they're the same videos pretty much that they've used there on the main celebration stage. So same uh, two guys doing it, and it was the one I saw was the same video that they had used there.
2: Going back to the different celebrations, I'm going to agree with what you said, Steve, in that the biggest fun I've had is meeting people here. When I think back to Celebration 6, which was just a year ago, all I can think about is the night we all went out and got shots and poor, poor Carter (laughs) and the poor, poor table behind us. And those are my most vivid memories are the afters. The cons were a blur. I was All over the place, we were doing the show, we were running the social area, I was trying to attend events. I was constantly in motion at the con, but my fondest memories and really my only memories (laughs) are of the people. Here, I've really enjoyed hanging out with you guys, but when I look at the con, as far as size, as far as crowdedness... I really equate it to kind of like one of the Wizard World conventions like we have in Chicago, bigger than the one in St. Louis, certainly. But it almost has that same kind of feel of everybody rushes in at 10 a.m. like they did in St. Louis, and it was just so jam-packed. But then everybody kind of saw it, and they all left well before close.
5: Yeah, it's definitely a, a surge in the beginning on the show floor. You kind of get stuck uh First day, definitely around the celebration store, was just crazy. Later in the day, everything pretty much clears out as people go to panels. But the worst area, I think, is the kind of fan area. There's just not enough aisle space, and everybody's trying to take pictures of the droid builders and, you know, the 501st and the Rebel Legion. It just gets really clogged up back there. But that's the only place that really gets bad all day long. Everything else kind of clears out.
2: Yeah, and I had to navigate that once because Jedi News had the Boba Fett card backs, you know, like they used to give out at San Diego Comic-Con celebration, the Hasbro cardbacks, they had the one for Boba Fett. And Jeremy Bullock was signing those at the first day of issue event in London. Well, Jedi News got the extras, and for a $5 charity to make a wish, you were able to get one of these. So I had to go back there and get that. I love my untouched card collection, not even carded, just card. And that was this just round and it was almost like a racetrack and you had to try to maneuver to get to where you had to go and that was a, a very crowded area. Yeah, that was kind of the
4: if I had to contrast anything from the U.S. celebrations in this one, it was the R2 Builders area. You know at the last, golly, probably four celebrations and uh, I don't know how it was in, in Colorado, but in the last four celebrations in the U.S., they have a, a fairly nice room separated that you walk through and tore through here celebration europe it was just like on the floor you know they had a little roped off section in that fan area so i actually didn't feel like like you couldn't really get up with them and take pictures and really interact with the builders and then kind of understand this about your droid and, and maybe you could I, I, I because of how crowded I was back there i went through it really quickly so i'm sure if you really wanted to engage in conversation you, you could have but it wasn't the same cozy feeling of let me learn about what the r2 builders do
2: By the same token, I felt the R2 Builders, because they were sequestered in a room with just a sign-out front, was something you had to go seeking. You wouldn't just find the R2 Builders. If they'd been out on the main exhibit floor, then I think the R2 Builders would get more exposure. Some of those things, like the Mandalorian mercs and the R2 Builders, I never see at a celebration until, like, the last Sunday. I'm like, oh, what's in this room? Oh, There's our two builders.
5: I will say, though, as far as the layouts of the shops go, I do kind of like it here. The first smaller room that you go into does have most of what I would call vendors, you know, licensed people that Lego, Hasbro, everything's in there. Then when you get to the second hall, that's more your, you know, resale kind of people that has all the vintage the tattoo shows in there, but it's really kind of more of the shopping area for the shopping that I like to do rather than kind of those vendors that are selling brand new items.
2: But yeah, I agree that I wouldn't necessarily had I not been working the collecting stage. I would have definitely been at the Kathleen Kennedy because you could walk right in. We saw the line start to form at 830. I was telling you guys, you should probably get in line 8 or 830. I saw the line. I'm like, oh, they're never going to
5: get in. They're never going to get in. And then they just opened the doors and people just were walking right in. Yeah, I was talking to somebody. They were asking about the Perry Fisher-Princess Leia talk tonight, and the gentleman said that the way they've got it configured right now, it seats 2,200, and if they actually pull back the curtains, they can fit 7,000 people in there.
2: That's much bigger than what we had at the other celebrations.
5: And
3: the Carrie Fisher panel was lining outside of the building right around the block, so maybe they will have to extend tonight. I don't know.
2: Yeah, that's bigger than Hall H at Comic-Con, to put it in perspective. I believe that's 5,500 to 6,000 people. Well, the main hall just adds sort of –
3: it isn't fixed seating on the ground of the main hall. It's just sort of individual chairs in in rows. But on the sides, there is sort of banked stadium seating, and a lot of that was sort of unfilled this morning. So it has got quite a capacity.
4: Yeah, I guess to your point, Daryl, for the Rebels panel, they did open up a lot of those side seatings. I I would never have guessed nearly 7,000. That's unbelievable.
2: But – As far as conventions go, if I had gone to those, I would have missed some great collecting panels that I really enjoyed. But I would have probably gone to those. I do think this is maybe a one-day con for most people who do it like us. You could get through and see just about everything unless there's a specific panel or something you wanted to see. But as far as the floor goes, as far as the con experience, like the Wizard World, it feels like a one-day con. It feels around the size of Wizard World. I love Love, love, the international flair. Seeing things I've never seen before. Somebody brought in to the cabinet for the display a whole bunch of toys, and he just had bags and bags and bags of toys. And I'm like, okay. And I looked, and I'm like, yeah, it's Saga. It's, and I'm like, well, right, we, well, we'll display it. But I thought it was the stuff you find at Toy Man for a dollar a figure. But then I looked a little closer and realized these are the international versions of it that I'd never seen and then he started pulling out, like, the Indonesian VCD home releases of the movies. I'm like, oh, and the deeper he got in that bag, the more excited I was getting. And all the vintage international stuff. I haven't bought any. There's still a collector swap meet tonight, and all I brought to swap was cash. But <laughs> it is definitely, if nothing else, like a museum trip to see all this stuff. Marjorie shaking her head no.
1: I've already walked uphill both ways to the post office. <laughs> So, nothing big. How about
2: that? Nothing big. Ah, oh, no. Just a vintage figure or so. Oh. Bootlegs or <laughs> rocket firing Boba Fett. No, 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 no,
1: no.
3: I'm just being temporarily distracted here. I'm just getting a, a tweet from Phil Cogan. You know Phil from earlier in the podcast.
2: Who owes me $20 in a Porsche?
3: And he's sat in his hotel lobby. He's not in our hotel at the moment, but his hotel lobby. And on the table uh, just around the corner from him, Kathleen Kennedy's having a meeting with Anthony Daniels and Mark Hamill.
2: Whoa. Well. Create your own rumor there, folks. So next up is the pub crawl and swap meet. And because we're setting up the swap meet, I don't know how much crawl we're going to pub.
1: And there's not much setting up. I think we're going to go outside because this is kind of a rogue thing. And I think we're going to set up outside. They were thinking maybe this room, but I don't think there's enough room. So it may be like a nice flea market or bazaar outside.
2: This is like the most unofficial official thing ever. The collecting track brings you an outdoor festival. People have already talked. I've seen some of the stuff that's coming. It turns out a few of the people actually used the display case in the collecting area as a lockbox for a graded, authenticated, rocket-firing vintage Boba Fett prototype. It will be there. It is for sale. It is graded in acrylic. Gorgeous, gorgeous display, as well as a ton of other vintage AFA-graded items. He's bringing them. He said he doesn't have to sell them. But if somebody makes the right offer, he doesn't have to take them home either. Very nice indeed. Can't wait. Yeah, there's going to be some cool items, so that's the next stop. So it is very late Saturday night, almost Sunday morning, and we're at the collector's swap meet collecting after dark.
1: Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Uh, just as big as it was at Celebration Orlando. Little differences. It's kind of replicating the climate of Orlando. It's hot and humid in this room. I think the hotel's trying to sweat us out.
2: It is kind of cool, though, in that there's hundreds of collectors here, international, seeing so many items I've never seen before. Brazilian language Star Wars comics, theatrical release posters for the Ewoks movies, bootlegs, a pink box, bottle caps, patches... Yeah, there's some common stuff, but quite a bit of AFA graded, a lot of vintage, a lot of foreign vintage. So I think, once again, this is a big success, if not a slightly sweaty one.
1: Yes, I I agree. This is a lot of fun. I love these.
2: Now, we ended up buying you a... Hong Kong episode one unarticulated Jar Jar.
1: Yep, and we had to buy three other figures with it, and I sold those, so I got my Jar Jar for eight bucks.
2: Eight euros, actually. Yes,
1: eight euros. Pardon me. Surely they have some kind of slang for the euros, right?
2: I've seen so much here I've been tempted to buy, but so much of it, I can't even begin to think of affording, and some of it is just impulse buys like australian water wings
1: yeah you don't need those
2: so that is it for saturday now tomorrow we're taking off but steve's going to be here and covering the collecting panel and the closing ceremonies sunday here at celebration europe 2 and i should be headed to the airport but the Promises from the Hasbro brand team last week at San Diego Comic-Con that there was going to be a lot of new reveals at their Celebration Europe presentation. You know, I actually left Marjorie with the luggage so I could come here and join Steve because I had to see it. I couldn't just read about it on Twitter. I had to see the Angry Birds presentation one more time
3: and you know my feelings on the Angry Birds I've not seen it but we were forced to sit through what Arnie tells me is exactly the same 30 minutes that they did over in San Diego so uh, a lot of building their part up about the new app, a bit of promotional video we also got some demonstration of how the game works with the little figures being teleported into the app via the little microchip on the bottom and fair enough if Angry Birds is your thing like I say I've never played the game but if it's your thing then you know that's quite exciting but Do we really need to spend half an hour on it?
2: Or an hour. I've gotten to see it twice, you know. (laughs) And what I keep having to remind myself is while I'm angered almost to the point of violence of having to sit through a 30-minute demo of it twice, I actually think it's a cool concept. I actually think it's very cool. You can buy the figures you want and put them in the game. That's all there is to it. You buy the birds, you put them in the game, and you play Angry Birds. The great thing about Angry Birds is its simplicity. So to go into extraordinary detail on it, feels like something that should be its own entire panel. I know Hasbro's making the birds, but it's the Hasbro Star Wars panel, not necessarily the Hasbro Rovio Star Wars panel, which is how it came off. I mean, I think there's some good designs there. I know Angry Birds is a game that I liked even before there was a Star Wars one, but wow, two of those... <laughs>
3: They're definitely linking the, the sort of playability of the little figures that Hasbro are going to make with the playability of the app. And I, I can see, you know, the little kids, maybe the, the under-10s who are now getting your iPad touches, your iPhones, your iPads, re- really having the two things there and playing with the little toys and then importing them into the game. I can see the, the playability, and I can see it's going to be successful. But like Arnie says, I don't see the sense of merging this with a Hasbro panel that's
2: traditionally
3: focused at uh, your action figure collectors.
2: I can be cynical for a little bit. The sense of merging them is because they didn't have but five minutes of figure talk. And about three of it was spent on the 12-inch, let's change Anakin Skywalker to Darth Vader, jumbo figure soap bottle.
3: I don't think you're being cynical there. I think that's probably the truth of it, yeah? Uh, They also showed us an FX saber. I believe it's the first one that can actually switch colors, and that's to match again the Anakin going into Vader, the blue saber turning into red.
2: I had been told that we'd see new waves of figures here. I think there were just a couple of new reveals. Now, I'm actually really excited by one of the reveals. It wasn't revealed at the panel, though. They've had it in the booth. I went by the booth to see because at Comic-Con and previous celebrations, they'd hold figures back, reveal it in the panel, and then say, come see the booth. But I think because this panel is on Sunday, a lot of people aren't here on Sunday, they want people to see this figure. Darth Plagueis the Wise. Good-looking figure. Making him a moon has always been an interesting choice, you know, to make him that like banking clan, thin-faced. He's not very demonic and imposing. I'm so happy to have him as a figure. He was a big question mark in episode three, and then the Luciano novel was just tremendous, so I'm happy to have that.
3: He's name-dropped enough in episode three for him to deserve a figure, I think. And uh, having seen it in the booth, I I think it's going to be a a fan favorite, the Plagueis. I think we also got a a Commander Nao revealing that panel. That also looks quite a nice figure. He's one of my favorite
2: clones. I think it looks like a good figure. I think we've had him in the Clone Wars. I'd have to get back and take a look at the list and figure out if we've gotten him in the realistic style before. But... With the articulation and things they're bringing in, it looks good. They focused a lot on the development behind the six-inch line, which, I mean, they're putting a lot of work into it. I like that they said, though, that Lucasfilm came back and said, Slave Leia's eyes need to be more sultry. And then they show us the final figure, and I'm like, those aren't sultry eyes, those are kind of lazy eyes.
3: They also talked about getting her nostrils wrong, but that's the sort of uh, level of detail that they went into ab- about the development of that figure. And the Slave Leia looks an absolutely fantastic figure, and they have you know, hidden some of the articulation quite well and the sculpting and the detail is definitely there. So, you know, they are going to be nice figures that are going to be worth the extra that you're going to be paying for them, but it would have just been nice to see uh, perhaps four or five more figures that we've not seen before.
2: Because Comic-Con just happened, things are a little bit of a blur. But I'll tell you a couple of things that stuck out to me that I can't necessarily remember if we'd seen before. First of all, Wave 1 2014 6-inch Black Series having a TK Stormtrooper. I knew we'd seen the Obi-Wan in the booth previously, but yeah, Wave 1 2014 6-inch, Bespin Luke, TK Stormtrooper, and Episode 3 Obi-Wan. Yeah, they made a point of saying that was an Episode 4 Stormtrooper. Yeah, so there could be an episode five. I think they look the same to me, but don't don't call me a trooperist. I'm sure that there's a five oh first member who will gladly point out the subtle differences. Then in the Saga Legends, they went into a little bit, and i got to say, yeah, lower articulation, but I actually got excited about Wave 1 2014 there. Yes, there's an Obi-Wan Kenobi. We've already had a low articulation Obi-Wan Kenobi, but in Episode 6, Luke Skywalker with the flap down. We've only gotten one other flap down Luke to my memory, and that was that horrible figure with the action feature and the big button coming out of the back where he'd do the slashing, cut off Vader's hand motion. And yeah, there's no articulation here, but it kind of took me back to Power of the Force Series, You know, this is what that figure would have been if they'd come out with that variant of Power of the Force. So out of the entire Saga Legends series, that is the one figure that I'm most excited about. Yeah, I'd rather have them super articulated, but I'll I'll take what I can get.
3: They also showed a couple of what they called buddy packs as well, the the two packs. And they had R2 and C-3PO and Han and Chewie, and, and they look all right as well.
2: Yeah, we'd seen those before. The Darth Maul's the kind of interesting thing there. Part of me wonders, since that was a later season figure, if they had that in development at some stage when the Clone Wars line was canceled. And they're like, ah, we'll throw that out there and put a Clone Wars Obi-Wan with it. But really, that is it for the Hasbro panel. I mean, I'm not going to belabor the time going over what we went over at San Diego Comic-Con. couple nice reveals, but... The big thing for me for Hasbro news is the fact that it's Sunday and that exclusive Boba Fett, Han, and Carbonite set still hasn't sold out. I think the rumors on the numbers may have been incorrect if they only had 2,000. That line is steady. People are just buying. And again, you can buy almost as many as you want if that's what you want to do. Get in line and go back a couple hours later, get in line again. I think you'd have to really exploit it before they would start recognizing you. i just got the one but i'm pretty sure that people who want to work the line and end up scalping them could without much trouble
3: they did make a big point of saying it's still available in the booth so that you know there's obviously still there they also said they also made clear that it's not going to be available uh, through other outlets so or that's the feeling i got the boba that's coming out will just be boba on his own
2: and i had heard a rumor that, and I don't know where the guy got this, but I was told that the carded Boba Fett that was coming out was going to be a redeco. Like, it was going to be the return of the Jedi Boba Fett with the red gauntlets and not the Empire with the green gauntlets. They did make a big point of saying the Boba Fett that's coming out on the card in Wave 2 is the exact same Boba Fett. There is no redeco. The only reason to get this set is because, first of all, a really nice box and second of all, Han and Carbonite. So, if you're a Boba Fett fan and you're an opener, you can probably not go to eBay and pay literally seven times the price you're going to pay for just the Boba Fett alone.
3: But if you want that Hanning carbonite, then it's going to be a lot more tricky to get hold of it, I think.
2: Agreed. All right, Steve. So next up, I'm taking off and you can finish out the day.
3: Yeah, I'm hoping to round up with some information from the closing ceremonies and perhaps an announcement of uh, Celebration 7. The rumors are Mexico City or Anaheim. Uh, My vote would be going for Anaheim. You won't catch me going to Mexico, people. Well, I won't catch you, but somebody
2: might. (laughs)
3: Greetings all, this is Steve the Ginger Prince, and I've just come out of the closing ceremony of Star Wars Celebration Europe 2, in the Grugahalla of the Mesa Essen complex. And as you'll know by now, unless you've been hiding under a rock, there was one major bit of information that came out of the event. But we'll come to that a bit later on. We'll start at the beginning. Now, me and Phil Cogan decided to get in the queue about an hour early for the closing ceremony. And about 15 minutes into that queuing process, a staff member came out and told us that we might as well go up to the hall now and try and find a seat, as the Mark Hamill panel that was in progress was quite clearly going to overrun, and as a result, they wouldn't be able to clear the hall and refill it in time for the closing ceremony. So we quickly legged it up the stairs to the main hall and found ourselves a seat at the back. We caught the last 20 minutes of the show and we were actually glad we did. Mark was his usual entertaining self and Warwick Davis, who was emceeing, was quite clearly getting the best out of him. Mr Hamill was pretending not to know the names of characters and creatures in Star Wars during a quiz, but you could quite clearly tell that he did because when pushed, the knowledge was always there. He had a pop at gingers saying they wouldn't last long in the Tatooine Sun. He did his Joker voice from the animated Batman series and he even did his famous "Ah, but I wanted to go to Toshi station to pick up some power converters." line and said that he meant it to be that whiny So as I say, that went on for about 20 minutes and then when it was over, some of the crowd decided to leave, which I thought was a bit bizarre considering that the closing ceremonies were coming up. Anyway, with a good portion of the crowd already sat down, the organisers had a little bit of a problem. They were clearly behind schedule, needed to spend about half an hour getting things ready for the closing ceremony. So you can guess what they did. They threw on DJ Lobot and a comedian. Now, one of the first thing that this pairing did was to placate us in advance by telling us that we would be later finding out the date and location of the next celebration. They then set about repeating videos that we'd already seen throughout the three days, promoting Star Wars Celebration and also containing a few humorous sketches. They played dodgy dance music throughout, a tremendous amount of leftover swag from panels or even from Celebration Six, in a particularly dangerous manner. At one point, I thought. I was gonna have my eye put out by some of this swag that was being thrown. They also interacted with the crowd in a number of different comedy ways. The only one that was really funny was when the comedian tried to interview a small German boy who quite clearly didn't understand what they were saying. Anyway, after half an hour of this rubbish going on, the closing ceremony finally started. And first on stage were Pablo Hidalgo and David Collins. They were the MCs for the other two stages. They basically spent five to ten minutes reviewing what had happened on their stages and talking about their highlights of the comp. Warwick Davis then spent a good ten to fifteen minutes announcing some competition winners. First of all, they started with the tattoo competition winner, a guy called Alex from Chicago, Illinois. And he had a sweet and guard tattoo that was still fresh. It had actually been done that day. They then announced the Star Wars Trivia Contest winner, and the man who deposed the current champion, which if you can't remember was Scott from Tulsa, was a guy called Pavel from the Czech Republic and bragged about his immense star wars knowledge the last winner they announced was the winner of the costume masquerade and this was a lass called iliana i don't know where she was from i didn't quite catch that and she dressed as padme Uh, i'm not sure which padme i think it might have been the meadow costume from attack of the clones not speaking good english it was quite difficult to make out it sounded like that she'd spent a hell of a lot of time sewing the dress together though from announcing winners they then moved on to some video clips and the most important Important one of these was one that showed Kathleen Kennedy from the panel that myself, Suzanne and Jerry went to see on Friday. And the bit that they chose to clip from that presentation was the bit of the panel that was most important, which was where she announced John Williams had been signed to score all the new films, all three films of the new trilogy. Surprised that they showed this because it's been reported and of course I've not had great web access being over here in Germany, but on Twitter it's been reported that that's actually been backtracked now by Lucasfilm and that all the official announcements on the Star Wars blog, etc., have him just been agreed to score episode seven. So I'm not quite sure why they showed that bit again, if that bit is in error, so I think that still remains to be cleared up. But clearly they have John Williams on board, but is it just episode seven, or is it all three films of the new trilogy? I think we need that clearing up still from Lucasfilm. Lastly, they then brought out Mary Franklin, and she looked incredibly nervous, as if she wasn't sure about the announcement that she was about to give. She talked about the success of the event that she was bringing to a close, said that she loved organising parties, but she preferred to two years to do so. So we of course all knew then that we were looking at 2015 and and that's what she announced, that Star Wars Celebration 7 will be in Anaheim, California, not Mexico to the relief of many. Anaheim, California from April the 16th to April the 19th. Not April the 16th to April the 18th as some Star Wars sites have been reporting It is a four day convention, April the 16th to April the 19th. Now I haven't taken part in this but I know there's already a lively thread on the Star Wars Action News forums that I am going to get involved in at some stage, and I strongly recommend that you do. It seems opinion is very clearly divided on this. There are people who are thrilled that it's in Anaheim, and can't wait to go, and they're jumping at the bit to buy tickets, and by the way the tickets go on sale on August the 7th, incredibly early to put those up for sale. So there also appears to be a large crowd who really really don't like the idea, and I think it's largely for two reasons. Number one, they felt that the Anaheim location isn't a desirable one and then secondly the timing the fact that it's in april and i think that a concern for me is that it might clash with school dates of course i teach so school dates might be difficult for me to get and i think for a a lot of people in the u.s that seems to be a potential problem as well so i think it'll be interesting to monitor that discussion over the next week or so and uh, try and get a flavor for particularly which listeners of star wars action news will be able to make the convention and which will not now you might think that brings an end little segment to cap our Star Wars Celebration Europe 2 coverage but there was actually one other event that I managed to get to after the closing ceremony and that was held in the collecting track room and was of course the giving away of the spare Star tops. now I didn't set out at the start of this event hoping to collect all Star tops. however it just so happened that as the week went on I seemed to be able to get more and more of the Star Tots and I approached this event actually aiming to get a full set, now Suzanne didn't come to the closing ceremonies with me, of course I've already said that my partner there was Phil Cogan wannabe trooper, but the three of us made our way over to the collecting track which is where Suzanne was, she'd stayed for the last panel, which I think was on international Star Wars collectibles Uh, I think there were ten different Star Wars collectors from across Europe presenting on that one, Uh, Suzanne had stayed there I joined her because the closing ceremony finished about 4.40 and luckily we were allowed back into the main celebration complex, so we joined the queue, we got our card ready to get it stamped, and we made our way round. Now, interestingly, I got to see this from the other side of the fence. I volunteered at C6, I was part of the collecting track, and I was one of the people handing out the Star Tots. This time, I got to see it from the other point of view, and God, was it stressful, knowing that you wanted to pick up certain Star Tots to try and complete your collection, and uh, hearing that certain Star Tots had run out because of the demand for them, was really quite a stressful business. I'm happy to report that I got 14 out of 15, so I am one short, that's the Luke in Stormtrooper Disguise. I don't know why that was uh, particularly difficult to get hold of, uh, but that's where I'm up to, and I'm going to have to try and seek that out on eBay I think, because the chances of me getting hold of that otherwise are going to be quite slim. I also missed out on the card bin that you put the Star Tots in, so that's something else I'm going to have to try and hunt down. But i tell you what was best about being in that Star Tots queue. It was actually meeting some of the Swanlings, and we just had a great crack in the queue. I met Fly Guy. We had a, a a really good chat i met a guy called rob who's a swan listener who's not actually on the the forum and his daughter isabella and we we had a really uh a fantastic time chatting in the queue and of course there was daryl creature cantina there was phil uh, suzanne but we had a good laugh trying to get hold of these remaining star tots so that was quite an exciting way to finish the convention okay that's me signing off i hope you've enjoyed our coverage of star wars celebration europe 2 <laughs>
2: So that is it from Celebration Europe 2. Guys, thank you all for joining us on our 400th episode. Hey, congratulations, guys. Yeah, and you know, Arnie, it's
4: really more than 400 episodes, isn't it? I mean, you guys do multiple-ish episodes for San Diego, New York, this, that, and the other. You throw Republic Forces. I mean, you guys are probably pushing six, 700 episodes. I mean, it's a great milestone, eight years coming up in just a few weeks. Congratulations. Thanks for letting you know, a lot of us be part of the ride. It's been awesome.
3: It's really quite emotional for me. I mean, I was invited on episode 99 specifically a cover Celebration Europe. And here I am at Celebration Europe 2 on the 400th episode. And it's a really good company,
5: really good friends. You know, it's quite a tear in my eye, I think. Yeah, I want to say thank you to you two mainly for putting it on. Uh, I haven't been here since the beginning, but I definitely feel part of the family and I have... Great friends now through this Star Wars action news and I want to say thank you all and thanks for 400 episodes.
6: Yeah, pretty much just the same. Congrats on like 400 episode uh, plus everything else you've done. And I can remember listening way back when, just before Celebration 4 in LA. And I think a lot of the purchases that I've done over the years is unfortunately down to you. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks very much on that on the wallet. But yeah, congratulations
2: on it again. And of course, you know, we cannot make 400 episodes without the help of the absent friends. Jason, Darth Prime, who's worked so much on the website, Brock with the Book Club podcast and endlessly clinging to the title Book Club Liaison, even though the Book Club hasn't had a podcast in years, that endless optimism. Barrett, long-time, long, long long-time podcast enhancer who worked tirelessly, And then new enhancers, Andrew and Shane helping out. Chris, who does all the great artwork for the badges and the graphics we have. Just tremendous, tireless work under incredible deadlines. Always turning out amazing things that Steve Stan's tweet hounds me for. The Republic Forces Radio Network crew, Jonathan, who's helming that show as well as doing On the Pegs over here. Dan, Nathan P. Butler with his segments here, as well as Republic Forces Radio Network, Jen. Jay doing tireless, tireless editing of the photos and getting all those hundreds of photos I take of the Emperor's pinky finger online. I mean, this is a team effort. All the current team, plus all the past team who are too numerous to mention, those who did segments for us in the past. I wish everyone could be here with us tonight to raise a glass, but I thank them all so much for their work.
1: I have to say that for an idea that Arnie got while in the shower one day... This has been a crazy, crazy ride. I've had some amazing times. I've had some amazing people who are sitting with me right now some of you are here some of you are not and it's just amazing I've had a great time we've traveled the world now with Star Wars had some memorable events had some crazy events and some sad events and it's just it's been a lot of fun and I don't know that it changed a damn thing
2: now this is podcasting (laughs) (laughs) I want to thank the listeners who've been sticking with us be this the first episode or the 400th or as Jerry says you know however you want to do the counting the 500th 600th episode that you've been sticking with us it's really Really, The listeners and the people we've met That keep us going Because yeah I had this idea one day we, we had nothing better to do And now that we're traveling all over We wouldn't keep doing it If it wasn't for the people These people like you guys Who we get to meet And all the listeners we've met here At Celebration Europe And all of the cons San Diego cons The previous celebrations the listeners and the collecting community is really remarkable. Before starting this podcast, I heard the term collecting community on forums. And I'm like, yeah, there's, there's a forum community, but a collecting community. But it really exists. And I've gotten to experience it firsthand. And I feel like the luckiest man in the world. So thank you to all of the listeners. And we will not be having a show next week. In addition to this being episode 400 for Star Wars Action News, actually, one of the hosts, not me, has a big birthday coming up next week. So we are going to be taking a vacation. We are actually going to go to London and Paris after and So there will be no show next week. We will be back in the States and with a show in two weeks. But now, despite the bad jazz music in the background, shall we take out the episode as we always do? A one, two, one, two, three. Yum yum. E-chop, yum yum.
0: Thank you for listening to Star Wars Action News. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We want your feedback and suggestions for Star Wars Action News. You can email us at show at swactionnews.com or post your thoughts in the Star Wars Action News forums at swactionnews.com, the most friendly forums on the web. You can also find Star Wars Action News on Facebook and Twitter. The links to our social media sites are at swactionnews.com. You can be on Star Wars Action News by calling our voicemail at 415-508-JEDI or sending an MP3 or iPhone voice memo to show at swactionnews.com. All materials submitted become the property of Star Wars Action News and are subject to use on our show. You can find even more Star Wars coverage at our sister podcast, Republic Forces Radio Network, where we review each episode of the Clone Wars cartoon series. You can find that podcast at republicforces.com. If you're into Star Wars novels, check out the Star Wars Action News Book Club, where we read and review all the Star Wars novels. That podcast is at swactionnews.com. For more Star Wars collecting, please check out galactichunter.com, jedidefender.com, jedi-temple-archives.com, and yakface.com. And we thank those sites for their support of Star Wars Action News. You can help support Star Wars Action News by making a donation using the Donate button at SWActionNews.com or by using affiliate links on the Star Wars Action News homepage when shopping online. Your support helps keep Star Wars Action News on the air. We also appreciate it if you would spread the word about Star Wars Action News. If you enjoyed the show, please post about Star Wars Action News on Facebook, Twitter, or your social media network of choice, or just tell a friend about the show. We would also greatly appreciate a 5 star review written on iTunes. A link to our iTunes page is at swactionnews.com. Star Wars Action News is created, produced, edited and hosted by Marjorie and Arnie. The Star Wars Action News team is segment reporters Jerry, Brock, Jonathan, Nathan and Steve, graphic design by Chris, image editing by Jay, podcast enhancement by Andrew and Barrett, associate produced and podcast announcements by Brock. Star Wars Action News is not affiliated with Lucasfilm Limited. The show is created by Star Wars fans showing their love of Star Wars. Star Wars and all that the Star Wars universe contains is trademark and copyright Lucasfilm Limited, a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company, all rights reserved. Until next time, may the pegs be stocked and the Force be with you.
1: raising my hand like Horshack from Welcome Back Connor over here, and you've been ignoring me. And it's perfectly fine. You know, when I go through the checkout at Toys R Us, and the lady doesn't say a damn word to me, which really irritates me, because I guess I'm getting old, is, you know, they'll go through the whole transaction, they say the total, they don't say thank you or anything like that. When they don't say anything, I just go, oh, you're welcome! When I'm leaving.
2: Stay on topic. Stay on topic. <laughs> He's telling
3: me about the German swear words he knows, and we were having a. Wait, wait.
1: Did you you learn any of the German swear words?
3: The only German swear word that he taught me was the um, the the German word for ball bag, um, which I'm not going to I'm not going to repeat on this uh, on this podcast for upsetting uh, your German listeners
2: didn't buy a whole lot we bought some patches just because we got some new messenger bags for the convention and for europe so i wanted to kind of spruce up my bag but that came out wrong
3: <laughs> as, as, lo- as long as you're not sprucing up your ball bag
1: in a screen printing factory when I was a teenager with two 400 degree outputting ovens with no air conditioning and I even complained about this I mean, I can now tolerate heat up to 95 degrees and be comfortable but it was so freaking humid I just can't stand the humidity
2: Do you want some cheese with that?
3: Experience I've made no secret about the fact that it's me least favorite film of the six But wrong (laughs) I, I'm not wrong, Phantom Menace rocks, folks, um, but it's Millie's
2: favorite, but...
1: So, I asked him to do my favorite Star Wars character, which is Jar Jar.
2: I dare not say it's your favorite one, it's your niche, it's your collecting focus. You can't tell me you like Jar Jar more than Han.
1: I like Jar Jar more than Han. More than Luke. Tatooine Sun Luke standing on a dune with one leg up on the dune. My five-year-old self, like, used to kiss that book. Yes, I did love him at one time.
2: Okay, so you're collecting focus, Jar Jar. Mm Ten o'clock? All right, whatever. It's close to... Ten o'clock's close to midnight when you're my age. When you're old. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So been able to sort of
3: lean into each other's ear and just have a quick word about your theory about that part of it. Is it Sanctuary Moon or is it Century Moon? You know, these sorts of discussions need to be
2: had. With your accent, both those words sounded exactly the same to me.
3: I shall clear it up. Sanctuary or century? It's century, folks, yeah. Anyway... (laughs) I only went manage one panel today. I've not even seen a star top in real life, so none of the collecting panels. Arnie's just about to show me a star top. Rub, me, rub me face in his little R2D2 star top. We thought about maybe decline the line of sex toys, maybe, um, and and maybe. It, it, then he, maybe? He...
4: even little labels that you can put on, or even big labels that you can put on the outside of your vehicle. And it 's like the
2: Johnny dangerously shelf paper skit <laughs> and he made Star Wars he 's one of the richest men on the planet. he 's a philanthropist he 's made thX1138 he 's made Willow, he made Howard the Duck. the man's a genius so
3: he also has a luxuriant beard
2: very much so. But, I mean, come on. Episode 7. This impacts us all as collectors. What's the haps? Well, I, I cannot say what's the haps. Let's
1: let's try that again. We do not need to emulate Steve Sansweet in every way. But if I could grow that luxurious
2: beard, that would be one good way. So you, it's coming down to you wouldn't spend the
4: 10000 on the Porsche, but you might spend 20,000 euros on a FET. <laughs> he said he'd take
2: dollars you have to buy the four seasons you already have plus five and you get the bonus content that was my expectation just based off what Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Ally McBeal and all these other shows have done
1: Uh, um Arnie
5: did I hear Ally McBeal in there?
1: you did um I just want to say I may wear
2: alright I can't fight that feeling but (laughs) stop this yeah I'm so <laughs> glad you guys gave him <laughs> 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 I didn't even watch
1: the
4: Allen
3: movie am the only girl sitting here. Hey, happy anniversary
2: That went really bad because of the English translation lyrics in between. I'm like freedom.
0: We've got freedom. I don't remember that part. <laughs>